Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, your mic is over, man. What's going on? Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. How you doing, my brother? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? All right. Merry Christmas. How was your, how was your day today? I was good. I'm feeling real good. I decided to get on the okay. mic. It's Christmas. I said, sure, let me jump on the mic a little bit. I ain't yeah, got yeah, nothing was, to do, man, I, you know. I was... Uh, Enjoying my time with my little baby daughter and all that good stuff. So, uh, I guess the topic of the day is discharge of debt, right? All right. So, all right. If I'm I didn't hear so you, you kind of went out. What did you say? The topic of the day is what? Good day will be discharge of debt, bonds, and all that good stuff. That's what we're talking about. Let's talk okay. about it. So, so, so. I, I so I want to kind of go back to your last video when we was talking about what you was talking about. Okay, the United States borrowed all this money, and they sending all this money to all these other countries. So I think like Cambodia get like one point five billion, Smithsonian get like a billion, but that's evidence of a debt. Like, isn't that like them creating their own? fake money yeah but okay here's the thing they are it's all fake man it's all fake money <laughs> okay it's all right. fake money uh, it's coming from the federal reserve it's fake it's a fake debt from the very beginning it's a jedi mind right. trick from the onset all right we just willfully and voluntarily participating in it because we've been conditioned to do so and then also they have monopolized an entire system because when you go up to the grocery store, the grocery store only accepts Federal Reserve notes. The ATM machines right. only pump out Federal Reserve notes. You know, you go to deal, everything in the system only takes Federal Reserve notes. So that's another way that they've controlled their system and everything. They've monopolized it. Okay, but in and of itself, like I said, when you read Modern Money Mechanics on page two, tells you very clearly that Federal Reserve notes don't have no intrinsic value whatsoever. It's not worth right. nothing. They not. They can't be redeemed for anything. They call a note. It's not a certificate. It's not a gold certificate or a silver certificate. It's a note, and it's a note that can't be redeemed for anything. That's not backed by anything. Well, they'll claim it's backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. But where does that come from? Come from the American people because the United States don't own a goddamn thing that they can put the full faith and credit behind, where they can have the future labor of somebody except the American people. I didn't. I didn't got into it with them. I, I, I get. I get into it with them. I say, you know, I got into a couple of them. Some of the government agents and everything. They said, well, you know, it's backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. I said, well, what does that mean? Who is that? They get quiet then. So we know we're we talking the about people. the American people. 
It's right, we the people that's right. backing it. So you just got all this money, you just involved federal, and it may be that they putting them in debt, they loaning the money to them. But see, that's listen, man, that's just some street shit. That's like that's like me going to the bank. Okay, I like okay, you got good credit. As I say, man, let's fill out this application to get some money from the bank. I'm gonna get a hundred thousand dollars, right, in your name, okay, because you got the credit. All right, so I go into the bank. We get the money, hundred thousand dollars. I come out the bank. I hand you a thousand, and then I take a, 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 a ninety-nine thousand and go and loan it out somewhere and double my money and everything. But you the one responsible for paying back that entire one hundred thousand dollars. And then to even make things worse, I take let's say I take twenty thousand of it and give it back to the bank as a tribute. <laughs> The bank president say, hey, you know, that's what they doing when they give Israel five hundred billion dollars because the Federal Reserve is owned by Israel. So why would you exactly. borrow money from the Federal Reserve and then turn around and give five hundred billion dollars to Israel? Don't Israel own the Federal Reserve? Ain't that just what oh. I just said? What we doing? Ain't that the same thing? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. One hundred percent right. I, I didn't even think about I'm that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, ain't that the same thing? You know, so you make it so you borrow money off my name, giving it to your people. You say, yeah, you know what? We're going to take $2 trillion and we're going to take $500 billion, you know, as a tribute. Uh, you know, Israel, thank you for allowing us to borrow this money in the first place. So you know what? We're going to give you five. So, ain't that some gangster mafia shit? <laughs> <laughs> the mafia. <laughs> And I know people ain't looking at it like that. That's exactly what it is. Go look at the Federal Reserve Board and look and see the names on there, how many Jews is on there. Oh, Jacob Lewis is a Jew. The chairman Steve of Mnuchin, the Federal Reserve is a Jew. Yeah, Steve Mnuchin a Jew. All right. You know, I ain't saying nothing wrong. I ain't saying I'm just, you just ain't never thought about it in these terms. But when you sit back and think about it, like, damn, you know, this is a pimp game. Okay, so how are you going to combat this? You think you're going to combat this going to work? You're not going to combat this going to work. The only way you're going to combat this is you got to learn the game, too. You got to learn the negotiable instruments game, too. Uh, you got to learn how to make money from decree. You got to understand where value comes from through your negotiable instruments, all right? Because they ain't got no gold. They they playing Monopoly with you. It's a Monopoly game. And it's putting you in slavery, and they're taking your property. So, oh, yeah, you're going to have to learn how to deal in negotiable instruments. The trust relationship with secure party is derived from the fact that Jacob Lutz is the holder of your instrument, and it's being put in trust because there's a specific purpose to be utilized for that particular instrument. On the instrument, any windfall they get from interest goes to the uh, United States. The United States is getting paid off of your bond. Why do you think they keep all these bonds? They ain't giving these bonds back. What y'all think they throw them in the circuit of file? They ain't throwing them in the circuit of file because as long as it's drafted correctly and it got a signature and a thumbprint on it, it's worth money. Yep. And I put $100 billion on mine, so you can go ahead and keep that and trade it as you will. But you just make sure you go ahead and discharge this debt. Take care of this debt. 
They in dead, so, y'all. Me. Y'all seen that dead clack? How else you gonna combat this? Ain't no way in hell. There is no way to combat twenty-seven trillion dollars of debt that is constantly growing, going to work. And one hundred percent of all uh, taxes collected solely go to fund the interest on the national debt. And do people know that? Only. Just the interest. All right. So you gotta you gotta play a different game. You got to start learning how to deal in negotiable instruments. I want y'all to think about this. Think about this, y'all. You go buy a bank, and y'all can do this. You can ask, go go in, go and ask these uh, banks when they loan you some money for a house or a car. I want you to go in there and ask them where is the money coming from. If they try to say from other depositor accounts, that's against the law. Say, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, no, you can't. Well, you try to tell me that I put some money in your bank and then you go and loan it out to somebody? Now, that's on 10 times again, the amount of that money, but it's money out of thin air. When you go to the Financial Accounting Status Board, statement number 95, and go down to page 21 and 22, down there where it says financial institutions, you're going to see right there in that paragraph where they tell you very clearly that they create money like a product out of thin air. They tell you straight up. Put it up on the internet right now. Yeah. They're a manufacturer. They manufacture money. Okay? So it's not nothing I'm I'm making up or anything. They they telling you straight up that's what they're doing. They manufacturing money. They got the permission to manufacture money. Now, where did that come from? Let me give you all a little backstory on that. Because I got a lot of new listeners out there. We almost got about 700 people on right now. It's growing. I know y'all gonna come on and listen, so we might as well get the back story on that, okay? The back story of it is this. Y'all know that at the advent of this country, when the uh, country was born, coming into creation, at its inception, okay, we had people, we had a goal. It was constituted. We had a gold rush. We had people that was getting gold. You know, gold and silver was the money. Everybody had gold and silver in their pockets. So, you know, people would go up into the mountains, you know, and then, you know, they look for the gold and they find the gold at Eureka. And then, you know, they take all their gold, bring it back down over their shoulder, back down, and then they go to an assayer. And then he'd weigh up the gold and everything and determine the amount of that gold, and he'd give them a certificate for that amount of gold that he brought in. Okay? And then they had a secure location that later became a bank. And they would hold the gold for you and give you a certificate. So, you know, you're walking around, you're feeling yourself because, you know, you just got about two pounds of gold. You're feeling rich and everything. So you're walking around with this certificate and you see my man over there with a horse. And you say, well, look, man, I got a gold certificate. Let me give you the certificate. I want this horse, all right? And give me the horse. You take this certificate and you can go over there in that bank and they'll give you this amount of gold. And he said, okay, I've seen them certificates before. He said, okay, I'll take that. So he takes the certificate. I get the horse. He walks on. But does he go and get the gold out of the bank? No. Because right, it's too cumbersome. And it's dangerous. Besides, somebody may rob me. But I got this gold certificate. So I see my man over here with a wagon. So I go to him and I say, you know what? I got this gold certificate. You can go over there to that bank over there and get that two pounds of gold out. So I'm going to give you this certificate and you give me this wagon. He said, okay. And he did that. 
And what happens is nobody ever comes back and gets the gold. Only except one out of ten people. Only ten percent of the people would come back and get the gold. This is today why they have a ten percent reserve. Because numbers don't lie. And they still go off by their numbers. Only one person out of ten is smart enough to know, hey, they got my gold, I need to go get it. But most of the people don't care about gold. They only care about what gold can buy. Right? This is what the foundation exactly. of what the banks became to understand. Okay, they like they don't give a damn about this gold. We got all this gold stacking up in our vaults. They ain't doing nothing with it. Hell, we might as they ain't smart enough to do nothing with it and invest it. They just want to buy shit, get drunk, and do shit like that. Well, shit, let's take some of this money. Only one person in ten come uh, come and get it. So what we gonna do? We gonna keep ten percent of the gold here. So if somebody come in, we got something to show them. And we're going to take the 90% and go and invest it. Now you wonder why in every city the bank's got the tallest buildings in the city. Yep. And then they took it a step further in 1933 and say, fuck it. We're just going to take all the gold and we're going to pass the law and say you can't get none of this shit back, period. I saw Paul Warburg made a statement. He said the gold is wasting away in the pockets of the citizens. Paul War- Warburg, a Jew, look at the name, Paul. They all got names like Paul, Steve, uh, Ben, uh, Joshua, James, Mark. Uh, you know, listen to their names. That's all you got to do, listen to the name. Mark Zuckerberg, Ben Bernanke, Paul Warburg, Nathan Rothschild. Uh, Alan, Alan Greenspan, his name all. But the last name Alan Greenspan. Yeah. A lot of them changed yeah. their names too now. A lot of them changed oh, their right. names. Right? But you nope. just listen to the most of them got their name, like Mark Cuban. Right. Just listen to the names. All right, listen to their names. All right, they tell you who they are. Okay. And I'm not saying they bad people or nothing like that. That's not my intent or anything like that, because they are kind of smart putting this system together. But I'm just telling you who the I owners mean, are, who the owners of the system. It's an ingenious system. You have to give them the props for it, and you have to know that there was some type of uh, advanced level of intellect that they know, okay, we're going to sit here and we're going to just observe data, and we're going to use this data to our benefit. There's no right and wrong in that. It just is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, got to give them credit. I seen somebody said a copy of the security instrument is not sufficient proof of claim. That's all. That's that's uh, a filing of a of of a UCC one is not sufficient proof of a claim. That's exactly right. That's why you got to attach a copy of your UCC three to that particular instrument and give notice of as a documented. You know, you got to have two witnesses. You're going to certify mail in an affidavit of mailing from a notary and send it off. That is absolutely correct what he just said. Mm-hmm. All right, that's correct what you just said. But and giving y'all this little background of money, all right, you understand that money, okay, money was gold and silver. Money's still gold and silver. Money is gold and silver. All right, that's called money of exchange. Then we got what is called money of account. It's an accounting procedure. All right, they do an accounting. And in accounting, all these banks use generally accepted accounting principles. All you CPAs out there, you know what I'm talking about. All right? And you have to have a claim on these instruments. So when you buy a house, you buy a house, 
and you sitting down at the closing table, I hope you know, first of all, that a closing table is a financial institution. All right. You find that under the definition of financial institution. Okay. Post office is a financial institution. A dealership is a financial institution. A casino is a financial institution. All right. So you got to get your mind right. Understand, well, what is the definition of financial institution? Look it up in the United States Code. So a closing table, people who are involved in real estate closings are involved in a financial institution. So you coming in with a promissory note making a deposit at a closing table. A bank is not the only place where you deposit promissory notes. What do you think you're doing? Well, you take Federal Reserve notes to the bank. You're taking promissory notes and making a deposit in the bank. They're ledgering it on account as an asset and a liability simultaneously. It's called double-entry bookkeeping. You got an account receivable and accounts payable. And you ain't putting a claim on the instrument. When you go into the bank, you make that deposit. You got a claim on that instrument because you got proof. You got a statement of account. And so you got and you got a debit card. You can come in, and then when you're giving that money, you can withdraw it back. All right, so that's why they got it as an asset and a liability. It's an asset because you gave it to them. It's a liability because they got to give it back to you. Well, is that any different when you're at the closing table and you sign a promissory note? It's an asset and a liability. But you ain't got no claim on it. So they take it and convert it into a security and then bundle it together with a lot of other promissory notes and then sell it on the stock market and let investors invest in it. It's called claims to an instrument. You have to demonstrate that you are the holder in due course. UCC 3-302 and Section 2. Number 4, was it 5 and 6, identifies UCC 3-305 and UCC 3-306, claims to an instrument and claims and recoupment. Now, this gets into some talk. When we're talking about the 1099 OID, if you think that you have some entitlement right, Okay, to recruitment of funds, which you do, because but you would only have that if you can demonstrate that you're the holder in due course. And you got to find out what a holder in due course is. Yusuf, what what's the uh, if you if you don't mind elaborating on the process for notifying the uh, Better Business Bureau when you are uh, doing a discharge. Well, the better business, I don't know if it's a, you do it for a discharge, but the Better Business Bureau is just like a, it's like a, um, it's like a commercial registry where they, where, where disputes can be settled or at least pre- being put on public notice. Because when you do it, when you report something to the Better Business Bureau, they document it and then they go and tell the person you just reported on and then you got to respond and then they keep a, a, a public record of the responses and everything. So, you know, I would only use that in situations like when I used it in a situation I was dealing with my furniture. You know, I had rented some, you know, I do the Airbnbs. So right. I had a, uh, had a situation that I had rented some furniture. Okay, and then this is a good example of how you could use the commercial. I kind of discovered this uh, by accident. And um, uh, I rented some, I usually when I get a new Airbnb, I do 90 days same as cash. I go and rent furniture. Uh, you know, furnish my Airbnb with 90 days same as cash and allow the people who are renting the Airbnb to pay down the uh, furniture, the furniture bill. Right. Okay. And so every, right. before the 90 days expire, I'll have it always paid off. I did it like about 13 times and I've always paid off before the 90 days. But when the coronavirus hit, I kind of got thrown off a little bit and I lost track 
of this particular thing, and it went past the 90 days. The furniture was, uh, all the furniture together was about $3,500, and I had paid about $2,800 on it. I had about seven, six or $700 left to pay off, to pay it off. Okay, but when it went past the 90 days, they converted that, and they wanted an additional $5,500 on top of the 700 that I already owed. But the furniture wasn't worth nothing but about 3500 I was like, y'all are crazy. So the first thing I do is like, this have to be, this have to be, um, this has to be uh, something corrupt about this. All right. However, I went to the Better Business Bureau. I looked up this company. All kind of people writing up this company to the Better Business Bureau. But I stopped for a second. I said, you know what? Let me read my contract. I read my contract. This company had did absolutely nothing wrong. I signed the contract, and in the contract, they told me what the interest, penalties, and fees would be if it goes past the 90 days. I had nothing. Right. I had nothing to stand on. However, right. there was one clause in the contract that said I do have the option of returning the furniture. And it only made sense for me to return the furniture because they're asking me for $5,500. And I'm saying instead of giving you fifty, I might well take 3500 and go buy this shit brand new because brand new it ain't $5,500. Right. So I get on the phone and I call them up. I get on the phone, I call them up. I say, hey, look, man, y'all need to come pick up this furniture. And then he said, well, sir, due to COVID-19, we're not going to be able to pick up the furniture. I said, well, okay. I said, okay, I can understand that. But y'all not going to keep charging me monthly for this furniture and mess up my credit, right? He said, oh, sir, we're going to still keep charging you for the furniture. I said, what, you going to still keep charging me for the furniture? He said, yeah. I said, look, man, you need to come pick up this furniture. He said, well, we're not picking up the furniture. I said, look, let me tell you something. You have a contract. There, the terms of this contract state, when I tell you to come pick this up, you got to come and pick it up. There is no cause, a clause in this contract that, uh, that makes allowances for some pandemic or something like that that will excuse you from coming and picking up this furniture. Now, if y'all ass got to on, put on some hazmat suits and bring your ass out to this apartment and pick up this furniture, that's what the fuck you're going to do. So I don't give a fuck about no fucking uh, coronavirus. As a matter of fact, at this point, I'm charging you $100 a day storage fee. Now, I had to back that up, so I immediately got off the phone because they were talking real greasy to me, and I typed yeah. up a letter. I put it in a certified mail. And I got an affidavit of mailing, and I mailed it to their corporate office. And then I took a copy of that letter and put it in the uh, and put it in the Better Business Bureau, and let the Better Business Bureau know I just wrote them a letter. Here's the certified mail number. Y'all go and check it at USPS.com and see whether or not they got it. Here's what the letter stated, and here's what the terms of the contract stated. And I told them that I told them to come and pick this furniture up. They didn't want to pick this furniture up. So at this point, I let them know that I'm charging them $100 a day for storage fee. Then I got on LinkedIn, found the president of the country, and sent him that same damn letter on LinkedIn, put his ass on blast. Because talking to them customer <laughs> service rep is a waste of damn time. Uh, you just talking to an employee. He can't bind the corporation. The person who binds the corporation is the CEO. I'm a CEO of a corporation. He's a CEO of a corporation. I'm going to hail his ass in the court, and I'm letting him know I'm charging you $100 a day. 
And they called me up and gave me that furniture. They got my ass out of there real quick because it's about documentation. All right, I got a contract, right. and I know how to read the contract. Read your contract and see what the terms of your contract state. Wasn't nothing in this contract talking about a pandemic, talking about you got some excuse for not picking up this furniture. You don't pick it. And that's the same thing they would do to you. They ain't allowing they ain't allowing the coronavirus to stop them from getting their money. Yeah, that's a bullshit. So you better do the same thing. Yeah, that's some bullshit. But that's all right, peace, brother. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna stay on here too long. I know I know somebody else got some other questions. Thank you for blessing me with your time. Your time is greatly appreciated. My hey, well, man, I always appreciate you calling in, brother. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank yes, you, man. sir. Peace of God. Yes, All right. Peace of God. So, yeah, that was, yeah, that was just a little example, you know, of something. You know, it's like, you know, you got to, like, you have to learn how to write letters. You have to learn how to give notices. UCC 1, I think, 202 goes into notices what a notice is, when somebody's been properly noticed, when they have notice of a fact, okay? You just can't get on the telephone and say shit. I know a lot of y'all like to get on the phone because you have some sort of aversion to picking up a pen and writing or getting on the computer and using Word and typing out some shit. You probably got a printer or something like that. All right, but you gotta, if you're going to do this right here, you got to learn how to write again. All right, you got to learn how to use certified mail, two witnesses, certified or registered mail, and learn how to use a notary because the notary is a witness. You need two witnesses. And when you start uh, serving your documentation properly, you're going to get a different response from these people. This including the bank. If you're in a foreclosure, you're jumping on the phone doing all this stuff. That ain't doing nothing. All right, when there is a controversy, you've got to start documenting it. And you got to take all the necessary steps to document. Now, back to this negotiable instrument. They're telling you, well, you know, this, this negotiable instrument is a worthless piece of paper. That ain't the point. That's called an off-point argument. That's called an off If you allow them to pull you in an off-point argument, that ain't the point. The point is we got some procedural uh, elements that we need to address. Where is the protest certificate? Did you make presentment on the instrument? And did it get rejected? So I'll tell you what. I'll be willing to accept your contention this is a worthless piece of paper upon proof of claim that you can provide me evidence that you made presentment on this instrument and you can return it to me with evidence of a defect from a qualified third party and allow me an opportunity to cure. Absent that, this is settled and closed. You got to get down and dirty like they get down and dirty. You got to learn the rules to the game because it's a game. They're playing a game against you. And it's been going on for so long because you're uneducated. If for some reason you haven't valued education, you haven't valued reading, you lost that somewhere, you then became a, 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 a welfare dependent. You just want to sit up on your ass and watch television and play PlayStation and fuck all day and make kids and drink and smoke weed shit. I'm just keeping it real. Phone lines open. Call in 563-999-3625. 647-050. Your line is open. What's on your mind? 
Hey, brother. Great show today. Um, I, I, I don't think it's just those people who are not privy to this information. Um, even those, you know, of us that have gone to university, and that doesn't mean that we have been taught how to actually read read. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't think it's just right. people who are just, you know, playing Xbox all day. No, no, no. That's, that's most of us, no matter what station of life we happen to be in, we don't understand this information. And me being one of them. Well, right. I wasn't trying to be literal. I was trying to be funny, but let me say this: you've been you've been uh, directing your attention toward other things that are not of import. How about that? Let's say it like that. No, I right, because yeah, you know no, I, I'm agreeing. You got I'm actually agreeing with you. Right. I'm I'm agreeing with you because I'm saying I'm I'm one of those people too who need I was to really you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with you. So, I, my so but my purpose for calling in was so um, as far you know as this topic and just sovereignty in general for someone who's a novice in this, where do they get started? Where would you suggest that we get started? Um, aside from just you know just reading, is there any forms that we need to start filling out? Is there any you know where would you suggest a novice get started? Depend. It, it depends on what your situation is. You know, one thing about it, people starting this in different places. Some people are going through foreclosure. Okay. That's going to make them start in a different place. Some people uh, have a criminal case that they're dealing with. That's going to make them start in a different place. So, you know, some people dealing with child support. That's going to make them start in a different place. Everybody's going to start in a different place because everybody got an issue um, that is all interrelated but the, the procedural elements and the methodology that they're going to be used is going to be different. So I would suggest that you start off with some fundamentals. Uh, first of all, learn how to do an administrative process like I was just talking about. That was my whole reason for talking about giving the example of the Better Business Bureau. That was an administrative process. Okay, you got to learn how to address the issues. On you got to reduce something to writing. You know, uh, reducing it to writing is one of the uh, ten maxims of commercial law. Start studying the ten maxims of commercial law. Definitely do that. 10 maxims of commercial law. Okay, you got to reduce it to writing. And you got to learn how to use certified and registered mail. You got to understand how, how the importance of witnesses. Okay, because we have a dispute and we need two witnesses. So if you're dealing with something, the first thing is in learning how to do an administrative process. Understanding those rules is important because that, um, that particular procedure is going to be used all the way across the board. It doesn't matter if it's a criminal case, a civil case, um, okay. or whatever it is, even a dispute with your neighbor even a dispute with your neighbor and everything, you're going to be using an administrative process. You've got to learn how to reduce something to writing and gather, get, get an evidence-gathering tool that, first of all, you try to resolve the issue amicably without resorting to a, uh, uh, the public, uh, uh, some sort of public uh, referee called an administrator. Right? Not to do that. You know? so you're going to, so that's, and that's also in accord with Matthew 5.25 where it says, agree with your adversary on your way to court. At least he hand you over to the judge. The judge hand you over to the bailiff, and the bailiff cash you into prison. I tell you, you will not be released until you pay the very last farthing or penny. Right? But that's a certain principle that you're talking about 2,000 years ago in dealing with debtor's prison. Right? That same principle okay. applies across the board. Try to resolve the issue first without going to court, and then you have to document that. Documentation. Huh. All right, so 
that would be my first step I would teach people how to use is how to do an administrative process, meaning, okay, I'll give you an example. Let's say we're talking about a mortgage, okay? And um, okay. <clears throat> and let's say, let's say, uh, let me see if I can use some sort of issue um, that was put before me. Let's say you didn't pay your homeowners association fee. You got some kind of dispute with homeowners association. Now, unbeknownst to a lot of people, the homeowners association can um, foreclose on your home if you get too far behind on your homeowners association fee. But let's say that there was some sort of discrepancy in the payments and so forth. You have this documented and they're refusing to acknowledge that fact. Well, the first step I'm going to do Okay, I might call them the first time and try to talk to, you know, you know, talk to the uh, the person who's the head of, in charge of the homeowners association right. and see right. if, if we can have a reasonable conversation and reach some sort of resolution without having to go through all this extra stuff. Okay, and now I'm finding out he's an unreasonable dude. He's crazy. There's something wrong with him. I'm not picking up the phone and mm-hmm. calling him no more. Everything right now is a letter. So my first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down I'm gonna get me a certif- I'm gonna get me a green card, okay, a certified mail 3811 form, okay. I'm gonna get that number off of there and I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna type it on my uh, on my uh uh a document. I actually got a video on my YouTube channel that talks about this. And I'm giving people's examples of this. I and then I'm gonna write him a letter. I'm gonna say, dear sir, you know, on such and such a date we had a conversation. It seems that there has been some misunderstanding. I'm always going to assume that there's a misunderstanding. At first, I'm not going to start lodging accusations at anybody. There seems to be a misunderstanding, and right. perhaps we can. I'm solution oriented. I'm a solution oriented individual. Okay, let's try to see if we can resolve this issue amicably. Okay, this is what I propose. Okay, I and if you can't come to a, a consensus or we can't come to an understanding of this, or you refuse to uh, uh, credit my account. In this particular amount, okay, I'm going to be looking for some damages in this. You know why I'm looking for damages? Because this is costing me my time. People got to understand the value of time. Every second, you're getting closer to death. So now you are sitting here, got me wasting my time. I'm taking time out of my life to sit here and write this letter to you. This is how much money is costing you. Because this is my time. Because every second, you're getting closer to death. You don't know when you're going out. Why are you wasting my time? I got to waste my time sitting here dealing with this bullshit. I gave you the damn payment. And due to some incompetency on your part and your organization, now I have to do this right here. Everything is documentation and notices. So that would be the first place I would tell people to start. Also, uh, the reason I would tell them to start right there is because it doesn't get into this discussion about secured party and uh, all this. Where if, is it real? Is it not real? Or something like that. I'm mm-hmm. giving you actually a skill or something tangible that you can use in any situation, not just as it relates to a secured party. So the first thing I'm going right. to give you, I'm going to give something that you can use, a valuable tool that you're going to need to know how to use in every situation, not just secured party. But every situation. After that, once you learn how to do that, I would perhaps go into the subject of trust. The reason I would go into the subject of trust is because you got to learn how to see a trust when it's presented to you. Because trusts are around you all the time, and you may not recognize it as a trust. A trust is just not something that's written on a piece of paper with an indenture agreement that's been expressly uh-huh. written like an express trust. 
You got implied trust. You got constructive trust. You got contract trust. You got all kind of trust. But trust usually have a settler, a trust or a creator, a trust corpus, a beneficiary. Maybe you might have some, you know, trust protectors or something like that, depending on what kind of trust it is. But there's some basic components to a trust. It's a relationship. And sometimes a judge in equity I will construe something as a trust. Let's say you made a promise to somebody, all right, orally, right. all right, that has some binding to it. It's an oral contract, an implied contract in some form, if there was some consideration given. But it may not have been written down, and the judge might construe it as a trust or something to that effect. Okay, it happens all the time. So the first, the next thing I would tell people to do, if I had to do this all over again, I learned trust last. Yep. I would tell people to learn trust first. Because the trust, the trust information is what it involves. It's like it's learning how to identify trust. A lot of people they dealing with secure party. They don't even know secure party is a trust. The trust is a situation. You're giving this. You're giving. You're appointing the secretary of treasury as a trustee. He becomes a holder of an instrument. He's holding it in trust, and you're giving him directions on what to do with the instrument to offset obligations using private credit. Now, we can get it. The only thing left to discuss about that is the value and validity of the instrument. Did you follow all the things necessary to make it negotiable? And where does the value come from? You know, because that's the first question you're going to get. You know, what is backing this instrument? I always fire back at him. What's backing your instrument? Are you asking me that question? <laughs> backing your shit. At least I got labor. What's backing my instrument and what's backing your instrument is the same thing. Your instrument is being backed by my labor and my instrument is being backed by my labor. Because you ain't got shit. You $27 trillion in debt, motherfucker. You don't got nothing. Quit fronting. You might got these other people fooled, but you ain't got the rest of us fooled. You bankrupt. And I don't even know if they have... As much as they're printing, I don't. They don't even have enough dollars to even pay it. So I don't even. They just keep printing. They just keep printing, keep printing, and because of the interest, there's not enough dollars that exist to pay it. Plus interest. So they, you're right. They're Man, broke. listen. They, they, they give. They giving you. They giving you money and then charging you interest and then you giving you got to borrow some more money to pay the interest. Yeah. Think about this. <laughs> if I got a hundred dollars, there's only a hundred dollars in circulation, but you charging me interest. It ain't enough money to pay. But you only gave me a hundred dollars. Right. How you gonna charge me interest? Ain't enough money to pay it. It's crazy. If the American people would stop and think, because they'd be attacking us. You need to talk. You need to look at this shit. You this game you playing. This is the motherfucking ridiculous shit. That game. But they're good at obfuscating that. They're good at throwing you off the trail. Nah, nah, yeah, you listen to him. He talking about that that sovereign citizen stuff. That sovereign citizen stuff. That it that's a hunt, bunch of gobbledygook. It don't have no basis in law or fact. What is he talking about? Is civil? What is he talking? I don't understand. That makes no sense to me. But what you doing makes sense. If if I set you down and had an intelligent conversation, you going to make this shit make sense to me? Why are you in $27 trillion in debt? Why you keep going to the same people and borrowing money? 
you going to make this make sense to me, that I'm supposed to go with this? I'm supposed to go with you borrowing $2 trillion from the Federal Reserve and turn around and give $500 billion of it to, uh, to, uh, to Israel and then make me the surety for it and I got to pay it back? And I'm not supposed to understand that that's some form of peonage or slavery? Nah, that's not what that really is. You got it all wrong. You're just a taxpayer. You got it all wrong, Yusuf. It looked pretty you know, simple I, I, to me. <laughs> the truth is simple. It don't have to be complex. Go ahead. And, Go ahead. And you know what? I think I think with this, you know, I've heard about all of this, and and the responsibility to learn it all is on me, right? It's on all of us to to learn this the best way we can. One one of the things I will say though is that um, some people, the way some people explain it is not the way you explain it. The way you explain it is easy to understand, right? It's easier to understand when someone like you explains it, but you have so many people out here that, you know, they explain it in such different ways and make it so complicated that I think it turns some people off. That's no excuse. I mean, we all have to learn it, so I'm not saying that's an excuse, but if people like you make it more plain, you kind of take it down a notch so we can understand, and that that helps out a lot. I don't even know if you're aware of it, but that helps a lot. And that you know that's the um, point. You got to understand that most of the people they be commenting on it. They they don't understand it. They be commenting on something they don't understand. Okay, you got to learn securitization. You know, Article Eight and Article Nine. You know. Okay, Article 8 is security. Article 9 is dealing with, you know, secure part, you know, securitization, you know, actual filings and so forth. But you got to you mm-hmm. understand the concepts behind a lot of this stuff. Once you begin to understand the concepts behind it and the rules that are attached to it, then it begins to make sense to you. You know, first it's not going to make sense to you, but you got you to gotta get some sort of understanding. Well, how are they borrowing this money? Okay, All you, you can start by just looking at a promissory note. Let's take a Federal Reserve note out your pocket and look at it. Let me see if I got one right here. Mm-hmm. I got one right here. You know, it's like you take one of these out of your pocket, it's a $20 bill. Just take it out your pocket and look at it. Just look at it. It's okay, it's a Federal Reserve note. It have two signatures on it, the Treasury of the, of the United States and the Secretary of the Treasury. So we got a Treasury treasurer of the United States and a secretary of the treasury. All right. We got some serial numbers on it. Okay. All right. We know what, uh, we know what federal reserve issues it, or at least on the dollar bill we do. It'll have like a little letter, the E on there that lets you know, you can look that up and see which, uh, federal reserve that is. E is what federal reserve of Richmond, Virginia. Okay. This got a G on it. This is the federal reserve of Chicago. This got an F on it. This is the Federal Reserve of Atlanta. This got an A on it. This is the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, Massachusetts. Now, you took it to the Federal Reserve and look on the back of your Social Security number, you're going to see these same exact letters on that red number on the back of your Social Security number. Okay? They got an account set up for you. All right? It ain't an account that you're going to go into or anything like that, but you looked at it some sort of surety. Every person in the United States is a guarantor. They have to have something to collateralize this, okay? And it's you. You're the one that's collateralizing. 
He issued it from this bank, and then them social security numbers is all the people, all right, that is supporting this, all right, that's collateralized behind this. You the guarantor for mm. this. Your labor. All right. So that red, this ain't hard. The red number that's behind the social security card, right? That red number that red you just number mentioned? It start with a letter. Yep. Go and get your free social security yeah. number and start looking at it. That's why he says it's a bank yeah. account number. It is a bank account number. It is. It was a bank. It was your people were using it and getting. I remember one time a dude told me, he said he was using that number on the back of his. So that's before it blew up on the internet. Heather Antucci and all right. them, you know, was doing it and blew it up. That was the second time. That wasn't the first time that happened. That was the second time it happened. It happened one time, I think, in 2012. It got big. Just this time it was on two. Last time it wasn't on YouTube. It was word of mouth thing. But so it's probably going to happen again in the future. But what the brother told me, I'm going to put this, I'll put this little bit of information out because he was a brother that really wasn't involved in this deeply, but he had found out about using the number to pay bills and everything. And he was using it for about six months. And he said that he got a visit from the Federal Reserve, two Federal Reserve officers. He didn't say it was, uh, he didn't say they were Secret Service. He said they were from the Federal Reserve Bank. And it was two of them. He said they played good cop, bad cop on them. You know, one guy was like, hey, don't you know you get arrested for this and all this? But the other guy was telling him, he said, look, if you want to use this information, you got to fill out the correct form. And this is where the talk of the Operation Circular comes in, the Federal Reserve Operation Circular number one. And that's all I'm going to say on that right now. It ain't a lot of money, y'all. It's just one, two, three, four, under 120, like 130, $140 is all this is. I don't keep too much cash on me. Oh, okay. But, uh, but anyway. Um, but great show, man. Great show, man. I- I'm going to continue to listen. Appreciate it. And you have a, a, a YouTube channel, you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go to High Frequency Radio. High Frequency. I'm on there right okay. now. You know, you talking to me right now. It's a video playing right now. You on you on the air. You on the air. Huh? Anyway, I appreciate it, dog. Thank you for calling All right, in. Brother. All right. All right. No problem. All right, peace, God. All right, so this is all my message was for you today. I ain't gonna stay on no whole long uh, long amount of time today. I just had a message that I wanna put about trust about negotiable instruments, private banking, you call it whatever you like. Understand this point. You got just as much. You got a right to make a promissory note. What, what you doing when uh, when you sign at the closing table? You sign a promissory note. You're the, you're the maker of that particular instrument. You're the maker of it. Go look it up. You're the drawer. They used to give, remember they used to give your checks back to you you know, you write a check at the bank and they get they go and cancel the check and give it back to you. They just stop giving it back to you. They taking it and, and using it all over the world. And they, something something happened. Something changed. They don't want to give your instruments back no You sign a check, that's a negotiable instrument. It can be negotiated. It's negotiable. But it's supposed to come back to you. 
they're supposed to be giving you your promissory notes back. But they don't give them back because you ain't got a claim on it. They don't have to give it back. They take it and they claim and hold it in due course status against it and keeping it. And then that allows them to do all balance sheet accounting. They just remove the accounts payable off the off the ledger, off the ledger sheet. Start thinking about this, y'all. This ain't simple. I know we got some CPAs out there. Y'all know y'all do double entry bookkeeping and you don't fully understand that shit. You're going to try to act like you do, but you don't. I guess that's it for today. I ain't got no more callers calling in. I'll take one more call. 563-999-3625. It's like a, a drop the mic type. <laughs> I want to wish y'all a happy holidays, though. I hope y'all got something from this today. It's a funny thing. Every time I come on, it's always one person give me a thumbs down. It's like the same person. This is why I never could understand. I couldn't understand why somebody followed me just to give me thumbs down. I mean, like, what is, you know, it's like, you know, I don't understand why people, you get famous and everything. They got bodyguards and shit. You be having stalkers and everything out there. You know, it'd be like, you know, I'd have people talk to me. They feel like I'm talking to them and shit. You know, I'm like, that motherfucker crazy. You <laughs> 707-7359. You're on the line. What's on your mind? Peace, family. This is so L. How Seven you doing, Yusuf? What's happening, bro? What's going on? Not much, man. Not much, man. What's Glad happening? you are here. Uh, I wanted to touch on um, what the brother was saying earlier, the brother who was asking where to start, and it kind of sounded like he was saying that um, – you know, people who went to college and they got educations and stuff and still don't know this information. Um, I wanna I wanted to say for people who feel like you're not smart enough or you're stupid or, you know, these people are smarter than us and they set this stuff up because they're smarter than us, I wanna just, you know, do my my best to correct you is that this educational system was set up by these people. And you can go back and look the public educational system was set up by very rich individuals, namely the Rockefellers and the Carnegies. And, you know, when you get into college, deanships, professorships, and chairs, they're all funded by private families. The college isn't paying for the deanship or the professorship or the chair, and a lot of curriculums in higher education are paid for by private family foundations. So the wealthy in this country and the wealthy in the world, they control the curriculums that are being taught in the schools. That's the first thing we got to get out in the front. So it's not about you not being intelligent, and it's not about you not necessarily going out and finding the information. If you brush across this information at some point in your life, especially three times at different points in your life, and you don't investigate, then that's on you. But beyond that, we've been miseducated. So in the private, we understand that there's people who um, are informed, and come from informed families or learn to be informed individuals. And in the public, you got the uninformed. And in the public, you got what we call in the private controlled knowledge, whereas we don't care what letters, numbers you got behind your name. That's controlled knowledge. 
and that's what they want you to know. And a lot of people come into this information or brush up against it, and they feel self-shame uh, and dejected or something as if you're not smart or you're not capable and, you know, only smart people can handle this stuff, and that's not the case. It takes diligence. It takes the willingness to question your reality and what you thought and what you thought that you knew up until this point, and it takes the ability for you to check yourself, be accountable for your mistakes, for your flaws, and, and everything that got you up to this point, and get the correct information and do something different. And, I, you know, I just really want to say that it's not about our intelligence. We're very smart. We're very intelligent. And as you grow up, you see in the media that the people who look like us, they're only successful playing sports or entertaining somehow, dancing, rapping, singing, or something like that, making movies or something. But you don't really see people who look like you in different higher um, respected positions unless they are straight up playing the game. And in that situation, we have a, you know, an underlying understanding of who these people are, even if we see them on TV and they're talking like they us. So the bottom line is, is what I want to say, and I want to echo what you were saying, family. And I, I appreciate what you do. I appreciate you letting me have a show on the, you know, on the, uh, the foundation on high frequency. As, as a matter of fact, I, I, want you to, I want you to plug your show right now because you have a very good show. And uh, tell the people what you do and the show and how to find you and how to contact you. There's a lot of people listening right now. So go ahead and, uh, go ahead and plug yourself. I'll give you a plug right now. Take advantage. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. But let me finish this up so people can really get what I'm saying. Because for me, this is about right. the people. And it's about people who look like us being in the lowest economic position everywhere that I've been on this planet. And I've been to a lot of different countries. And I've been to a lot of different states. And everywhere I've gone, the people who look the most like me are in a, the lowest economic position unless they're, quote, playing some sort of game and you're the special Negro and we like you and you're different and all that. you got to deal with all types of weirdness if you want to, you know, be at these upper echelons, you know what I'm saying, in this society, as so it says. But I want to say it's not about your intelligence. It's not about you being stupid. It's not about these European descent people or whatever descent they are being smarter than us or more organized, they are less targeted, and a lot of them have different information that we are not privy to. So, you know, my name is So L. I'm the host of the Foundation on High Frequency Radio Network. Um, I only do shows on Blog Talk. I do not show my face. I'm very private. But I made it my mission to help people who look like me get into a higher economic position. And in order to do that, I've made it my purpose on high frequency to help people learn how to set up their private trust estate. It's really what all I focus on. I think if you don't know trust, it doesn't mean anything. Matter of fact, I did a show on Wednesday and it was like secure party means nothing without a private contract trust. And it's, it's really, it's really dope how you're now getting into it. And you said, yeah, it's, it's you study trust. He said, study administrative process first because that can help you, with these predatory debt collectors, especially if you study the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act and look up the terms for what verification means, family, yep. and, then just, yep. and then just act accordingly after that, and you need the administrative process to handle that properly, and then study trust because all of the stuff that you're dealing with is trust. It's either expressed or constructive. 
hands down, and there's older, over 80 different types of trust. And if someone tells you they know them all, run away from them fools. Because that's not the case. <laughs> don't My know man them is all. Telling you, he's telling you process contract trust. He's telling you SPC, that process, you're setting up a private contract trust. So if you're trying to do an SPC process and set up a private contract trust, you have no business doing that unless you know trust administration. And the foundation of this whole no thing trust administration. You got no exactly. trust administration. I mean, it's it's like the subject. It's a beautiful subject. I kind of learned it backwards, but um, if I like I was telling them, if I had to do it all over again, I would study trust first because it makes the information much easier to understand when you understand what a trust is. Okay, and that is, and I feel like that you said the, the information has been hidden from us. I think the major information that's been hidden from us is the information about trust. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And I would also agree that most of us come into this information kind of backwards because we start in the public and then retrace our steps back to understand what the foundation of this whole system is. And we must recognize what we're doing and what we're looking at first before we can begin to define and break down what we're looking at. But first we got to recognize what we're looking at. We're looking at all fictions. Everything's fake. It's all fake. It's all titles and fake stuff with yep. you know, single paper <laughs> it's degrees. All fake. And it, it's, it's all fake, man. It's All of it's fake. The, the, the so-called money is fake. It, the valuation is fake. It's it, it, it. And once you start understanding I had an that, attorney. It's real. I, 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 Go ahead. I, I was sitting in, a, in, a, in, in an office with an attorney. We were having a discussion. He just bust out on me. It's all fake. They made it all up. They made it all up. It's all made up. He says, it's all made up. <laughs> he just <started laughs> he said, they made it all up. And it's like it is. They just made it all up. It's just made all up. It's just if you think the money is fake, it's just a system. It's just uh, there's really no substance behind it other than people's voluntary participation in it. And that's why everything is predicated on keeping us under control with the media and all of this so that people not wake up. Because they wake up one day and like, why am I playing this game? Why am I in this game? It's like the Matrix. The Matrix really is, um, I think, a good analogy to it. Everybody likes to make these comparisons to the uh, the Matrix, and I really feel like that is a good-ass comparison. It's just like the Matrix. It really is. It is. The Matrix, Alice in Wonderland, uh, the Follow the Yellow Brick Road, whatever. Yep. The movie. I can't remember the name of that movie. Wizard Oz. And they throw it in our Wizard face. Eyes. Wizard Oz. Wizard Oz. They throw it in our face. And then try to make us feel like we are incompetent and we can't got, grasp it, so we don't try. And that's the biggest—that's the biggest thing that makes me upset. Is our people? We, you know, we believe that stuff. We believe that we're incompetent and we can't try, or we shouldn't try, and that we should just, you know, be subjugated and stuff. But yeah, the Matrix, the Alice in Wonderland. It said she she had the thing. It said eat me, drink me, offer, and she ate and drank acceptance, and then she went into the Wonderland, went down that rat, followed the rabbit down the hole. You know what I'm saying? Trying to chase them. I mean, man, it's in our face. It's in our face every day. But yeah, it's all fake. They made it up. They made it all up. 100%. They made. They made it. They made it up, man. Hey, man, won't you ride with me, man? I'm on. I got the the phone lines lit up. You know, hey, we ride together. If you if you ain't got if you ain't too busy today. Oh man, it's it's an. It would be an honor, man. It would be an honor. It would definitely be an honor. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm here right here. Let's, let's ride. Let's ride and everything. We got we got the phone lines open. Let me go to six seven eight seventeen oh six. You're on the line. 
Hey, what's going Georgia. on, man? Hey, what's happening, hey, bro? What's, what's happening? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Going? Man, I, I had a question. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I, I watch the show a lot, man. So I've been kind of, you know, looking from a distance. But um, how do you handle when you deal with child custody stuff like that? I don't see a lot of people talk about that much. Yeah, you know why that child custody stuff, man. Um, first of all, I don't have a lot of experience <laughs> dealing with it. I number one. That's why I don't talk about it a lot. But the child yeah. custody thing, because because of my principles that I have, because I went through it. I just give you my personal story. You know, I went through a divorce, and my ex-wife got the best of me. You know, she got the kids. Yeah. You know, all of that. You know, I, but that was at a point in my life where I didn't know what I know now. I didn't know what I know okay. now. But the thing is that you know, it's like when I was going through that stuff. It ain't like I'm fighting the state. I'm fighting against this what was me and her. You know, that's why, I, okay. you know, I don't really talk about it too much because it was like me and her going at it. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to reason with her and I'm trying to, you know, make a way. And then she's mad. And, you know, it, it was like, it, it, it was just a bad, bad point. You know, I always say that you can be successful in life if you can avoid going to prison, keeping good health, and not getting a divorce. I think some of those, I say, I say, I say I, those are some of, I think, the major pitfalls in life and everything. Some of them may, there'll probably be some more, but those are some of the most major ones I can think of right now. You know, if you just avoid them things right there, you probably can say yeah. that you're going to be successful in some kind of way. But um, I'll just say this, as far as with custody, I got a friend who's going through a custody hearing right now. And, um, okay. I mean... I don't know if it relates to secure party because how are you going to use secure party and uh, uh, both parents got an, an entitlement right to the child. Okay. The the number one thing that comes up, I'm going to tell you like this. The number one thing that comes up in child custody hearings is somebody attacking the other parents saying that they are unfit in some kind of way, that they abuse yeah. the children or some kind of way. Cause that was, that's really the only thing that you can use in the court that'll make the court sway in your favor. And then you got to be able to surprise, uh, support, uh, su- uh, supply some sort of proof of that. That's what my homeboy got. You know, he, he in a child custody case, and he got custody of the children because the woman is a psychopath and everything. You know, she's doing things. I mean, the, the system is just in their favor. And for her to lose custody of the kids, you know she cutting up. And she is. She cutting yeah. up. I'm like, you already got the court on your side, and you lost custody of the children. You know you, you, know you in the wrong if the court gives the custody to the father, you know, because it's already on you. They go, cause I'm telling you, this girl, lady should be in prison. I don't know how many times. Because if it was a man doing all the stuff she was doing, ass would be locked up. But she ain't locked yeah. up. So that child custody, you talking about child custody? You know, I can't. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm. I'll, I'll tell you this. The the child support and all that comes from when you, when you look in the history of it. It's rooted in the public charge doctrine, right? In that, okay. you know, that's why I put you on child support because the woman is coming, and you know she's uh, she's uh, invoking the state as some sort of surrogate father. Okay, when it's your job, that's your offspring, that's your issue, and you have a duty to take care of that. But you got the state uh, taking care of it, and the state feel like they have some entitlement right for some sort of reimbursement for that. But it's a charge, and the, and the, and the state. 
is always trying to avoid public charges. That's why they don't let certain people from certain countries into the uh, into the uh, country because right, if you got a reputation in your country of doing crime or something like that, the people come or they want to come over here and be homeless or, 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 get, or live on welfare and something like that. Those are called all called okay. public charges, and they don't want they don't want that. Um, that is kind of okay. like what it's rooted in. And I can understand the state feeling that way. You know what I'm saying? Because they're right. It's like, hey, why we got to pay for this? It's like, we're not so paying for this. Like You're supposed to be paying for this. So what about like when the mother, huh? she, she stated she, she don't want child support. She don't want none of that. But, you know, we're just going back and forth about cut. So we had joint custody. So it started off, you know, I, I mean, I, I live in Georgia. But we started off, she right. was born here. And then she, uh, she was four weeks old. See, we had, I, I'm, I'm learning more about the, the trust and everything. I got a trust, and I'm learning how you, uh, you know, how you put all this stuff together. But me and her made an agreement before we conceived a child. But we, we wrote it on paper and stuff like that where we didn't get it notarized. But they said you can't make an agreement on the child. You know, that's what the attorneys and all, the, you know, everybody keeps saying, well, you can't make an agreement. I thought you could, you know, make a private agreement. I thought that was a private agreement between two people to, uh, you know, I tell them you want. can't make an agreement. I, I, I think that's some bullshit, what you mean you can't make an agreement on the child. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, they claiming so, that the child is their property or something because we got a contract law clause in the Constitution that prevents them from, um, in, you know, getting involved with contracts. So yeah, I don't so, I don't totally agree with so, that. So I so the judge he he blurted that out in court, and I'm like, so you telling me we can't make a private agreement? He said, no, y'all already have a custody agreement. So I'm like, okay, but she but since the custody agreement, she have again reinstated that she's gonna give me the full custody. I'm mean, she you know wrote it up, text message, everything. I got all this you know voicemail, everything. But he's saying, well, no, y'all already have a. Uh, custody agreement through a Listen, judge in New York. Whenever custody. a judge said, whenever a judge says that to you, you all you don't never make a conclusion of law when you're in court. All you do is okay. you say, do it the conditional acceptance. You know, you say, Yana, I will conditionally oh. accept your contention that we're not able to make okay. a private agreement as it relates to my property, which is my ch- my child. Upon proof of claim, you can provide me some sort of legal authority whether it be constitutional, statutory, or something to that effect that says I can't do that. Because, see, everything that they do in the public, there has to be some sort of rule, regulation, statute, code, or something like that that says they can't do it. And then there has to be also this um, uh, unstated presumption that the child in some kind of way is under the authority of the state in some kind of way. Because anything private means the government is not involved in it. So when the government starts, okay. now, now he said that you already had an agreement, okay? Okay, now that, but if you had a prior agreement after you, because you just said you didn't have notarized, it, that, that was a mistake. Right, they have yeah, marriage contracts. If you get on the internet and put in marriage contract and go to Google Images, you're going to see all kinds. You're going to see Christian marriage contracts, uh, Muslim uh-huh. marriage contracts, almost any type of religion, okay, because uh, marriage is a contract itself. Okay, and it should be a private contract. The state shouldn't be involved in that. Because the state, now okay. when you get a marriage license, it says he tells you on the back of that license that the, uh, the issue of this particular union belongs to the state. So they have some sort of claim. When you get a license to get married, that allows to have some sort of claim 
on your particular children that the state is getting. Now, I don't know if y'all were married or not, but they no, always are trying to inject themselves as some sort of third-party overseer into people's relationships, which I find yeah. particularly disconcerting because um, uh, the relationship between a man and a woman is pure is a private matter. It's not a secular matter, right? Okay. okay. God gave us the uh, 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 the right to marriage each other, not the fucking state. Exactly. So you know, so they'll put out their common law marriage and make it seem like it's a secondary marriage. Common law marriage is the real marriage. It's a statutory bullshit that is the secondary shit. That's not the real marriage. The real marriage is when you consummate a union by having sex with a with a virgin uh, girl. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, putting it out. I don't mean to digress a little bit. <laughs> I got Go ahead. A little bit. I got you. Mind if I interject? Yeah, go a ahead. Bit? I have go some ahead. experience with this. So, <laughs> in, my, in my experience, as long as the other party of the contract um, acknowledges the contract, it doesn't matter if it's notarized. So, if the other party is agreeing, if the mother's agreeing for the custody, and, and the lawyers are saying that you can't do that, in statutory law, they're technically correct. But you can, you two, both of you can file in the case the agreement that you all, y'all came to uh, uh, came to terms with. And if and if it's not on paper, I would I would talk to her and get it put on paper. You know what I'm saying? And if you can't talk to her and get it put on paper, then you would I would if it was me, I would file an affidavit under penalty of perjury saying that we had an agreement. And then the affidavit would, be, would, yeah. be rebutted, would have to be rebutted point by point. By the other party, but it sounds like she's in agreement. And and you, she said the state likes to inject themselves into controversies. So I would just well, what, but here, agreement filed into the court. Okay, she don't want and, you know she because I guess because the state is trying. Go ahead. But then she changed. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, she she was in she was in agreement, but then as time went on, she changed her mind. So then then it's like she ran it back through the court. And this was just recently, you know, uh, now, she, you know, now she's like, okay, well, I changed my mind. Now I want him to myself. But I'm like, but we have this prior, you know, I, I got these messages. I got this letter you wrote me. I have, you know, these recordings of you saying you're going to give me custody. So why are we going back and forth? But now she changed her mind. So what she did was, uh, you know, she came over one day and created this drama. And you know, call the police, which I left with me and my son left. So she tried to create a protective order to try to like get him from me. You see what I'm saying? So, so you know, we wasn't living together, but she would come and visit. She would come down to New York to visit. But she created this drama. So we went to court not too long ago, early December. So the judge was trying to ward her her protective order, tell her, hey, you know. Uh, Okay, well, we need you to turn over the child to to her. So I told the judge, I was like, okay, I'll have a pro- – this is exactly what I said. I said, I conditionally accept your offer. In return, can you show me the law that states that? So he was like, well, I can't show you the law right now, and, uh, you know, it's a lie. I said, okay, well, again, I conditionally accept your offer. Can you show me the law that I, as a man, have to give you my son? So he was like, well, I'm going to hold you to the court. And I'm like – because you're not following my rules. A criminal. And see, that's why I failed that. So they, they, you know, he hauled me off in the back, so they locked me up. And so he was, uh, 
when I, you know, when you get in there, they, they, they finally hand you your paperwork. So he wrote in there as a motion. I'm like, so, you know, I'm like, how did he was able to be the judge, the prosecutor? Because he was asking her questions. He was helping her out with a story. He was leading the witness, all this stuff. And see, it didn't dawn on me till now. So I didn't speak it. I didn't, because they did have a recorded us. And I didn't speak it to it then. But I know we got another uh, court date coming up, but whenever it comes up. But, but yeah, he was leading. Then he had a issue. And so, but, but yeah, he wrote in a motion, said, you know, hold him in contempt for him to stay uh, incarcerated for a year. To next year, December, until he show us the whereabouts of the child. So that happened. Sunday came. That was on a Friday. Sunday came. I got a, the you know the uh, first appearance, and then this other judge let me out. So I got got out on bail, and then the other uh, judge came in that Monday. Was pissed off. Was like, how this guy get out? You know. So I'm gonna file a warrant for him for another contempt. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, why why is he upset with me? You know what I'm saying? Because he's saying I'm not showing him where he, I'm not following whatever they're asking me to do. But I'm saying you show me the law, I don't have a problem with that. But he, he, well, well, you know, he didn't you want this. to do that. Okay, because, well, let me ask you this. Uh, if it's a contract, it's another issue. He probably can't show you the law. But the thing is this, do you have some sort of already agreement some sort of custody agreement already in place. Okay. Okay. That's the thing, because yeah. you know, like my home, like my homeboy, yeah, my well, homeboy, you know, he 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 going through the same thing right now. He um he, uh, when he go, he he can handle himself well in court. He can handle himself real well in court. But he uh you know he get he got, he got this judge should be pissing him off. He can't stand this damn judge. Him and the judge had locked him up one time too. Uh, arrested him. So he got something against this judge. Every time he come and come before him and everything, you know, he's trying to get at him. And they kind of start getting into it. Right now it's on the Internet, so I'm watching it on the Internet. So, you know, the respect level ain't there. You can tell he ain't got much respect for this judge and everything because he's kind of salty with him. But the judge just got something against him. And I can't understand why because this woman, she's doing all kind of stuff, you know, stalking, yeah. dangerous stuff, endangering the lives of the children, all kind of stuff. And I just don't understand it, man. It's like they got some sort of um, they got some sort of plan against against the, the, uh, the against men, man. I'm just trying to tell you, this is liberal. That's the only thing I can think of. That's what I'm seeing. It's on the TV programs and things like that. It's like they man haters and some of these other people. They they're doing it too. Because I'm watching this case and I can't understand some of the stuff this judge is doing either. Because if this is about the best interests of the children. Okay, why is this biasness, you know, this, you know, just, you know, this blatant biasness, you know, it's to a point he almost can't do nothing now because it would just, because she done did so much stuff that it's like he can't just, you know, just do what he wants to yeah. do. But yeah, that's what I see, man. I mean, I don't have much, many answers for that, man. Yeah, I don't I know, Sayo, yeah, maybe yeah, you but, can help him a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, you saying about a contract, yeah, so when she left and went to New York with the child, we had to do the contract up there in New York. So she opened up a custody case up there. So we went up there. We got joint legal custody. But since all parties, since this COVID hit, all parties have been down here in Georgia. You know, she came down here. She's been down here about five or six months. She lived with family or whatever. My son been here with me. So I called the, the family clerk up, up there in uh, New York. And the lady was like, I'm supposed to give you this information, but 
she said, all we're going to do is just reject it and turn it back around because it's no longer a New York case. All parties don't live in New York. You know, she's been down there six months. The baby's been there six months. So, you know, this is a Georgia case. So she just told me to motion the court and, you know, send a test to the uh, certified uh, thing she sent to me. So, so I'm, I'm, so what happened was, like I said, I didn't jump on that sooner. So, but like I said, he's been living here. He's been going to daycare, everything. Just, but now she's, you know, got pissed off, mad, and you know what I'm saying. I guess she done met somebody new, so now she's wanting to, you know, act different. But I'm like, no, you know, that's not gonna work. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. So we're gonna. I mean, I know it's gonna be uphill battle, but I mean, I, it just, I want to make sure it's I have be a all battle, the right man. steps in order. Yeah, I want to make sure it's I have all the right battle. steps in order. I, I, you you got a battle ahead of you, man. I'm glad I ain't going through that. That's some of the worst stuff in the world to go through them custody battles and child support and all that kind of stuff. I I, I ain't got too many answers for you. I tried to avoid it. I was the kind of person, man, I didn't have my first child. I was 28 because I was in my neighborhood looking at all my homeboys go through all that. And I knew man. I didn't want to go. I was, 30. <laughs> I, go. I was 37, man. I was 37. I'm 40 now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Waited, but I still got it. Headache, you know what I mean? I got one. I know. got. A, I got one now. Shoot, driving me crazy. <laughs> All right, man. But I got yeah, one now, boy. But I appreciate. I, it, hey, man, bro. But yeah, hey, look, I, I gotta move. I got. I gotta move to the next caller, man. It's light the board and lit up. But hey, hey, <laughs> hit us back and let us know what happened with that, man. All right. Yes, got please. you, man. Thanks a lot. I'm going. Peace. Yeah. I don't know, Sar, what you think, man. I I, I think he in a good I don't know spot because they got, he got joint custody. I think he in a good spot right hey. there. And I also think he in a good spot because he has he has his child now. I, I just think he should, he, you know, he needs to be the initiator now. It, it sounds like it reset and he got his son. Now he needs to initiate and get into the courts and try to have the courts decree some sort of uh, visitation schedule because that's really what's at issue is the visitation schedule. You know, in my but you know opinion, what? It's a shame that anything, a, they can't get along. But it's a yeah. shame that adult people, adult people, have to tell the court when they can do a visitation. You know, it's just like that's what you know because really they treat us like children. It's like two adults should be able to get together and make it then decide. Hey, look, I'm gonna take them every every two weeks. You take them every two weeks. You don't have to get the court involved in this. I don't understand why some people feelings people feelings be so strong into that. My ex wife, man, she's still mad at me. We've been divorced since two thousand and three. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's like she's still hot about something. I'm like, what you mad about? You remarried and everything. And we're still mad about something. I don't even know why I moved on. I ain't worried about it. And it just hey, I that's just what I'm thinking. When people ask me that question, I throw my hands up. I said, Look, man, I don't even know. You know, I, I know y'all look at me as a know-it-all, but that's something I ain't, that's, that's the nut I ain't cracked yet right there, that that family law. I leave that to the attorneys. <laughs> it's difficult I really to make, do. Uh, make determinations on someone else's family and their family structure because that's ultimately yes. private. So it's difficult. It is, and because when both people I got agree. it, because the man and the woman both got rights. It's, it's like mm-hmm. you both got rights. What do you want me to say? Y'all both got right. Work mm-hmm. it out. You both got right. So it's like, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. But 
Let me get to the next caller. Two one zero ninety three ninety eight. You on live? What's on your mind, bro? Hey, peace. Hey, peace. Hey, um, peace. What I want to ask you guys about was the uh, was the trust, the ir- the irrevocable trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to know because mm-hmm. you know when you when you create a trust, like let's say you don't have like all right, if I create the trust, I want to be in control of everything. But if I start the trust, I have to I have to appoint a trustee. The trustee is an operation of the trust, and I was told that the grantor, the person who starts the trust, can't be a trustee or can't be the only trustee or the only fiduciary, so I have to find somebody else. But could I make myself a manager while I handle the day-to-day operations? So can I start the trust, appoint a trustee, and then make myself the manager, or do I make myself the trustee and have somebody else actually be the starter of the trust? Because once I start that trust, um, all the control goes to the trustee anyway. You're the first trustee, and then he appoints the second subsequent trustee. Go ahead, Sod. I'm going to let you answer that. I know that's your <laughs> area expertise. Go ahead. Well, you you said irrevocable trust. Um, irrevocable meaning that after the trust is executed, the, the grantor has no power to revoke or any other powers in the trust. So when you when you name yourself a manager, and are you an irrevocable manager? Can the can the trust if the trustees can come in and take you out, you know? And they they have a, a means by, you know, uh, taking away your position or pulling you from your position. Um, so so then what would I so do I make do I do I have somebody else be the grantor and then I make myself the trustee? You can do that, but I mean, you know, you can be the manager, you know, and I'm I'm pretty sure you can be the trustee too. You just can't be the sole trustee. All right, but you can point yourself yeah. as a man. As I was mentored, make yourself, the, uh, you know, have them appoint you as the manager of it and let them be the trustees because there's some orange length issues that might come into, um, you know, might come into, you know, uh, there might be a matter to adjudicate. But it's an irrevocable trust, which means that once the property is put in the trust, the trustees are effectively the owner of the property. You've, you've relinquished all ownership of it. So that's when you know that's yeah. the purpose that you're doing it for, you know, is like you don't want anything, you know, the liability that's attached to it. You're trying to remove that liability to, uh, from you. You know, the um, thing about a trust is an irrevocable trust is it's the indenture agreement that has to be drafted properly. All right, you know that mm-hmm. that in itself, and you have to contemplate all of that stuff. Okay, the the indenture agreement is how you control the trust. Okay, that's the control. Yeah. That's what the, that's the control mechanism. Because right, it's not about ownership, it's about control. So it has to be drafted correctly. It has to be thought, well right, thought and out, I, and I all actually, the contingency I issues actually, in there. Um, I actually joined your SPC University, so I have access to the videos, all that stuff. Um, another thing I wanted to offer you too, um, Yusef, is um, you need to be on Clubhouse. I don't know if you heard about the new app. Everybody's It's an invite only. And this app, when you get on there, you can set up your own rooms. And there's nobody on there that's doing what you're doing. They have everybody doing how to start your own business, how to make a million dollars, all that stuff. But nobody's really doing what you're doing. And um, I would like to offer you an invite to go on Clubhouse and start your own group. And, uh, man, I'll just tell you this. Everything that you're doing, how many people you have in your university and your viewership will almost triple or quadruple. Um, once you get on Clubhouse, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody in the comments, whoever's in Clubhouse, could tell you, and who's listening in could definitely give you 
Um, but I just wanted to offer that to you to send you an invite to join Clubhouse. Um, if you haven't heard about it already, okay. it's like a new social media thing that everybody. I haven't heard. I have not heard about it, but I'm dead. I just wrote it down. I'm definitely going to investigate it. I'm going to investigate it. Yeah. And see what and, it's all uh, about. I'll send you an email. So if you want to get in, you can reach out to me. Um, what's a good email to, okay. to reach you at? H-F-R-N-H-F-R-N-G-M-G at gmail.com. H-F-R-N-G-M-G at gmail.com. Okay. And then real quick, my bad, I fell off, but uh, real quick, you can also um, have someone else grant the trust and they have, name you the trustee. And, you know, yeah, grant yeah, it can just be the contract. And then you can have an exchanger come in and exchange, you know, substance into the trust before, you know, and then, you know, you come on as trustee. Maybe think about and that. And then, um, and then I, I, all right, so what, what was that email again? H? H-F-R-N G-M-G at gmail.com. All right. And so, you know, another thing that I had, I know you probably can't answer this on the air. I wanted to know, you know, when you everybody's starting these trusts and they think that, um, you know, everything is going to be tax exempt and all of that. And I understand, like I like I said, I was in SP University. I have, a, you know, I'm in, you know, taking all the classes and studying the trust stuff you have. Um, but I wanted to know how do you position yourself that you don't have any income? Because you know, when you're doing the trust, you you only you're going to be taxed on income. But you know, and I know you probably can't answer that. We probably have to talk privately. But I wanted to know how to structure my trust so that I don't. I don't have any yeah. income. Well, basically everything needs okay. to be. Go ahead, Todd. I'm let you do it. You go ahead. Go ahead. So we we talking about taxes. Um, we we don't really talk about taxes. I don't like to talk about taxes. I'm not gonna speak for you. I know. So I don't yeah. like, but okay. So here's the thing is though. Let me, let me like I said, I already knew. I kind of already knew. Yeah, I knew what it was. You got two things going on yeah. potentially. You can be dealing with tax avoidance, which is legal. Or you can be dealing with tax evasion, which is illegal. Tax avoidance is you have structured your business in a way so that there is no tax or taxable event. And then tax evasion is you have structured your business in a way or your business affairs in a way to where it is incurring taxes and you're trying to go back and inflate stuff and make it look like it's less than what it is. That's tax evasion. That's illegal. But structuring your business in a form to where you don't incur any taxation is um, 100% legal. And um, actually, in Edwards versus Commissioner, it says the court said that dignity of a contract cannot be set aside because the tax benefit results either by design or accident. And in Weeks versus Sibley, the court said a pure trust is not illegal if formed for the express purpose of avoiding taxation. But That's you got to understand the distinction in, in, in avoidance. So when you say um, you, you say I don't want to make any, I don't want to make any income. I'm assuming that you're talking about the individual or what I consider the, the individual because it files an individual tax return. And in order to do that, you would have to arrange um, your business affairs so that the income goes through other structures that has allowed deductions distributions, and then subsequent deductions, allowable deductions, and disbursements. Because a complex trust, which is recognized by the IRS, um, which is typically what we're going to do when we're doing contract trust, can 
disperse 100% of its taxable income to its beneficiary and therefore pay no tax. But then its beneficiary is subject to the taxation. Same thing. It's responsible for the taxes. Exactly. Same thing yeah. with corporations. You hear, oh, the corporation, they pay no taxes. Amazon, they pay no taxes. The corporation takes its allowable expenses, publication 535, and then it distributes its taxable income to its shareholders, and its shareholders is responsible for that tax, if applicable. And if, you know, if the shareholder is a trust, you know, then obviously you're dealing with individuals or a group of individuals that have specific knowledge. So you don't have to take a distribution or income in certain structures, public structures, um, but that would take, you know, more investigation. But I will tell you this, a contract trust um, um, is, can have expenditures or de- allowable deductions according to the contract. And like you just said, no state can pass any law impairing the obligation of contracts according to the Constitution. But I will say this on the air. You're going to lose in the Article One court. You're going to lose. You've got to appeal in order to get into the proper jurisdiction where the contract claim can be uh, presented and, and seen. And that jurisdiction is what we call Article Three. And most people need to understand that. When you're dealing with contract, private contract and private contract trust, you will probably nine times out of ten lose in the Article One court because they don't recognize contract. They're going off of legislation. And you got to let you, the, the, yeah, the higher court tax court throws it out. Go ahead. Yeah, tax courts are Article One courts. But you, everything mm-hmm. I, you're stating that very beautifully. I'm enjoying listening to you talk about it. <laughs> you know about you know because that's what I was going to say. It sounds like he needs to mitigate his la- uh, tax liability by you know focusing that income through yeah you know, through one of those proper structures because you're not going to be able to do it with yourself. People uh, people have to understand, yeah, trust is private, but if you do business effectively connected with a trader business within the United States, you're probably going to incur incur some sort of taxable event, okay, because they're in the public, and you're taking Federal Reserve notes. In order to stay private, everything has to be private, okay? The settler has to be private. The the property in the trust corpus has to be private, and the uh, uh, beneficiaries uh, have to be private. And the IRS, if you don't reveal who the beneficiaries are, they're going to uh, just uh, automatically presume that the beneficiary is a U.S. citizen. You got to study. There's a there's a document you should read. It's called Express Trust Under the Common Law. Okay, it's called Express Trust Under the Common Law. Okay, that right there is going to get you into understanding the amendments to the tax code as it relates to unincorporated business organizations because it started out there in Massachusetts as a Massachusetts business trust. And I think it happened in 1918, 1922, and 1926. I might be wrong on the date. But it was like about three amendments to address specifically unincorporated business organizations. They are in Title 26. Okay. But as far as not paying taxes, it's just what he said is tax avoidance and there's tax evasion. Okay. And tax avoidance means you've structured yourself in some, in some, in, in a certain kind of way where you don't occur a tax obligation. You know, and tax evasion is when you actually incurred that obligation and then you're trying to evade your responsibility and, you know, in addressing it. But I would suggest that you get a good CPA if you're doing business and, and let him do your deductions properly and learn how to mitigate your tax liability because you're doing business. 
and you know you're doing business there are a lot of tax advantages as relate to a private trust i just want to try to put out there and, and eliminate from people's mind oh i got a private trust i mean i automatically i don't pay any taxes that's bullshit that's bullshit that's how you want that's a one-way ticket to jail and i can show you plenty of case law to support that plenty plenty of case but there are tax there's a lot of tax advantages but you got to understand it's form versus substance. The substance of the transaction is what dictates, not the form of the uh, – uh, the, the substance of the transaction is what controls when you go into tax court. You go when you're dealing with and the IRS commission. And that's, that's how, how they get you. get you. And they'll say that wasn't a trust purchase. That was a personal purchase, which indicates whatever you yep. paid for that purchase, that was your income that you didn't claim. So you didn't pay taxes on it. Now it's interest, penalties, and fees on that income that you didn't claim. That's how they get you. And they, they construe these transactions. They call it a deficiency. Sort of you know, yeah, they transaction. call it tax deficiency. And they're going to construe it as, mm-hmm. a, as, a, as a partnership or a association or some other type of entity. And they ain't put you with a deficiency, a uh, deficiency judge. And penalties, fees, and all of that. Yeah, that was an unreported That's why it's important that you that understand. That's why it's important you understand yeah. tax, I mean, uh, trust uh, administration. You got to learn how to administer you trust cases. properly. <laughs> you got to read cases. Read cases. You got to read, read cases. Because you see how they win, cases. you see how they lose. I'm telling you. Any type of, you can go to Google Scholar and you can put in private trust and then you can put in the IRS commissioner. And, uh, you know, IRS commissioner and read all those cases. I got, a, I got a whole bunch of different cases. I, I, IRS commissioner versus whomever, you know. That's what you want to do. So I read those cases. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, you're welcome. All right. As far as the so, tax exempt part, that's that's tax exempt is charitable activity. Charitable activity is like education, um, uh, ministry, uh, religious. That's you know, business isn't. There's no business is tax exempt. That's why tax exempt is usually a nonprofit activity. You know, but yep. you can avoid taxes legally through proper structures and proper you know fiduciary um, arms linked dealing, um, which isn't difficult. What you know how to do it, but yeah, I would start like what he said: express trust under the common law. Yep, that's a great way. That's to a good document to read. It really is, and when you understand that's a good document. Happened, when you understand what it yeah. is, when you understand. He was like, go do this, figure it out. And they came back and was like, we can't really do nothing. Sorry. It's private. That's what I got from it. But, hey. <laughs> they tried to call it voluntary association. It's like, this ain't no voluntary yeah. association. <laughs> Them attorneys throw their ass up in that. That was good. <laughs> That's a good read. If you understand it, once you start understanding the subject of trust and you read it, it's real interesting. It's real interesting. It's a real interesting read. But let's go on to the next caller. Eight three one sixty eight sixty three. You're on the line. What's on your mind? Hello. Yeah. Yes, you live. Yeah, you on? No, they got like printing machines that have it where you can like make hello photocopies and stuff like that. Hello. Back and shit instead of doing that. I'm just. All right, let me get the mic. Oh, they talking about something else. Eight three two zero seven zero nine. And he, got, he went off. I was just about to put you in. Eight three two oh seven oh nine. to the guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Right on. What's happening? Beats the prestige, yes, sir. So well, 
Yusufel, <laughs> the two OGs. This is Chris L. down in Houston, Texas. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> all, right, all, good, all good, all good. Enjoying the show, man. I said, hey, man, if this meant to be, it'll be. See if I'll just chime in real quick. When I heard the brother Sidell pop in, I was like, oh, snap. It's beautiful. <laughs> two individuals that the information in the show through the high frequency radio network that I compiled information for seven years and worked it for myself, not knowing anyone down here that was doing it in the South and um, has basically gotten to a level where I've kind of seen my own philosophy, if you will, like the delineation of great coaches, Brother Yusufel, and have been able to help certain people, you know, on the low. And even myself and uh, Brother Sidell on private conversation, like, hey, man, I have a different perspective, but the principle, as you say, the, uh, the methods are many, but the principles are few. And right. from where where I'm at right now, with the brother with the child support, just my personal experience, because you're a corporation. That's what they say. Right. Right. And that corporation so how, has yet to claim. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to let you finish. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. The, the 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 corporation has yet to claim its particular assets with it, which is the children, because the children are wards of the state, regardless of being married or not. And being married, you just get a bonded certificate that stipulates that, you know, the what comes of this union is a ward of the state. But the child automatically right. becomes a ward of the state due to the um the uh baby act not the baby act under the baby act is that you can't a baby can't sign the contract, but it's the, um, I forget the name of the uh, act that they passed that the, which is the foundation of Shepherd Townsend, the Shepherd Townsend Shepherd Act, Townsend. I think that's what it's called. Yes, sir. Yeah, right. Yes, also known as yes, the sir. women's suckers or whatever. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. That one. So in that, your corporation, and when you don't go on the record and deny that, then they say you are. That would be within the Texas Rules of Civil Procedure. So you saying that you uh, like that almost sounds like to me like you got to put in an affidavit of denial of corporate existence, and um, yep. you know you do have to rebut presumptions. Okay, like one thing I've learned about this is they operate off presumptions, assumptions, and color of law. Okay, presumptions and assumptions. I'm listening to these Supreme Court justices talk today, and every uh, every other word out of their mouth is a presumption. Well, there's a presumption that exists. Or the presumption. They always talk about presumptions, and that's something that people really need to key up on. And I think when anybody who goes within their jurisdiction, there's a presumption that you have a certain status, and that is of a U.S. citizen. And of course, that U.S. citizen is some sort of corporate, colorable entity, or something of that effect. And you're correct about the children. Their um, their um, their presumption about having some sort of interest in your children, which is why when you do a secured party process, you're claiming your children's birth certificate on there because everything that's, that's operating in their system is commercially related. All right. So it has to be some sort of security interest that they are interested in, in your children are claiming some sort of interest Absolutely. and the welfare of the child um, is a matter. They have an interest in that because this child is some sort of future taxpayer, you know, 
Um, right. Is that, you know, this is what I Right, right. And this is what I've gathered, you know, over the years and everything. They feel like they got some duty to take care of us because we like, they got insurance on us and we taxpayers because we guarantors for the national debt in some kind of way. And, you know, I'm not sure if that's it, but it's something involving that because it doesn't make any sense the way they act. They act like they own you. You know, they act like, you know, he's like, okay, well, you know, you know these are our children. We, well, these are the best interests for the children. How are you going to tell me what to do with my children? You know? How are you doing this? Where are you getting the jurisdiction to do this? So it has, they have to obtain jurisdiction in some kind of way to even to, to get such, to make you do anything. They've obtained jurisdiction in some kind of way, and it's usually through some invisible contract. It's just my my contention. And I'm with you on that because I build on that. We talk my back. Go ahead, Chris. But you referencing when you say they presume that you're a corporation, aren't you referencing a specific rule of procedure? And can you touch on that? I don't that? know. I know. Hey, look, I I learned, man, years ago, listening, I've been following using you for years, bro. And uh, <laughs> you give your nuggets, man, and the rest is in the webinar, bro. <laughs> well, because, you know, because, see, cause see, look, this is, this is the big thing that, you know, I've been trying to find for myself, you know what I'm saying, is that, okay, there's mountains of right. free information on the Internet. I found it that out by, by way of you. You see what I'm saying? And you have all the documents, and I'm like, okay, how can I come out and give my ministry my word and my experience because you, you should be able to learn, excuse me, earn from what you learn. You see what I'm saying? So <clears throat> if what I have is valuable, then how can I, I don't feel proper sending out a document like one man out and saying, hey, man, you know, charge, like, I'm going to charge you $10 for this document. Man, you go type that in for free and download it, bro. At least right now you can, you know. And right. But it's the experience. Like, when you read this, when you put it all together in practical application in your life, because this is a lifestyle. This is not a, you know, oh, man, it's cool to talk about, you know, over, you know, halftime, you know what I'm saying, because ain't nobody paying attention during Thanksgiving dinner, the basketball game. You see, this bigger than that, because cats like us not necessarily watching that basketball game. We doing something that's on a higher level, a higher level of learning, like a sophisticated business entrepreneur that is a capitalist that's taking advantage of a free enterprise system through entrepreneurship. So call me a capitalist, because at the end of the I day, they look I ain't got no problem with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, they looking at the no individual as the corporation. So if the individual is a corporation, then you how you handling all of your life, everything is improper. Everything is improper because you're not living your life from business principles. You've taken everything personally. This is not personal, it's business. Keep it's your business. emotions out unless it's you're using your passions, you know. Learning how to applicate leverage your own gifts and talents through business structure, which so L talks about a lot with business trust and you have an unincorporated business organization. <clears throat> I tell you one thing, man, they have these entertainers and artists and people doing COVID nineteen that are just absolutely fucked. Why? Because you can't move <laughs> around and do what you used to do. But it was a wise uncle, a wise brother, so L said to me. You know what, man? The reason why you were starving artists for so long is because you didn't have enough streams of income. 
I said, wow. Yeah. Got to get your wow. income. I already knew this. I already knew this. I already knew this. Got to get your stream income. But you do. Why wasn't I applying it? It took another brother to say, hey, man, this is your issue. And then when, once that clicks, because I've already read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I've read uh, Cash Flow Quadrant, uh, 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 Donald Trump's book, uh, 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 Debt Millionaire, the, the trilogy of those books. CEOs read a certain amount of books a year. So let's get up on game. But when you see, okay, I, a good manager doesn't need to know how to do everything in the business. The good manager just needs to have an overall knowledge about how that operates so that they can be good at what they do and as managed. So <clears throat> in applying all the particular information that's right there in SPC University, that the two, uh, uh, the three business classes that's uh, for a business trust with uh, the welcome to the foundation.com, those things together with the passport. Use if you've been talking about it for so long, and I can tell you firsthand knowledge. Like this is probably be the dopest show that you done did in the last ten years. Why? Because here we go, right here. <laughs> There's a, that particular document that you're referencing uh, in some shows in past. The uh, civil bullet to your rights. Right. I used that document, got it from you, found it. You know, you gave the link and found it. Very obscure, anonymous. And downloaded it, followed it, did my little process. And they said in that original document, not put the social. I remember you did a show after I didn't got my passport without it and doing my thing. I'm almost like uh, a Wolverine now around in the streets. <laughs> they changed it. You know, they changed it. Exactly. You know, they, started, they, they changed, changed the passport application. What happened? Yeah, they changed the passport you see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. what happened? They put on there. They put on. Because they put I on can, there. Can, if you, they change it. If you've today. ever, they, yeah, they they put on that. If you, if you have ever been issued uh, a social security uh, card, then you need to put it on there. They changed the verbiage on there, man. They come because they, they start. What is, happens is, go ahead, go ahead. Now this ahead, and that right ahead. there, what you, you just said that verbiage changing, it was. When I experienced what I experienced and shared it with the two webinars on Welcome to the Foundation, where you had them questioning me about the social and what I had to, what it wasn't co covered in that particular website was what to do necessarily afterwards. I think that came, when I got it, it didn't have what to do afterwards. So I but had they got the video out on my own. He, he yeah, he got. There's a video. That if y'all, if you ever watch that video on YouTube, I did not get on the do not detain list. That that silver bullet is the old uh, document. He's updated it. Mm -hmm. That it was not my information. That came from Copper Moonshine mm -hmm. Steels. And the reason that right, I put that right. information out is because people were charging for it. You know, I'm like, damn, y'all stole this man information. Ain't telling nobody where you got it from. So I just, uh, so I did that video. Um, how to get how to get on how to get on the do not detain list and it got like four hundred thousand views. I was not expecting right. it to get that many views. 
And so, and so out, many brother. people started. Um, juices, but check this out, because before you get too deep, I want to bring out a point that with that point point of the social and saying that if you were issued, then it, I, I believe it was in the second webinar with So L. My my question is, is this just a question? Were you issued a social when you were born? I was never. Well, I mean, I mean, they could. They ain't never. I, I mean, that could be. They can, ain't put nothing in my hand. My mama. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It, I, I don't know if that even if that even matters when it comes because at the end of the day, there is a website called Fam Guardian. They have a right. um, uh, they process for the uh, getting the passport is a lot more detailed uh, than the silver bullet one. But right, you know, it, but essentially, it, it, but what it comes to, in my end, they, I had to write a statement because I actually went to Houston and went to the right. Department of Homeland Security, had guns drawn on me and stuff because I had to write a statement. Yeah, guns drawn on you. That, yeah, because the supervisor, man, she Why was trying to say, oh, you got a social security number, you a U.S. citizen, and I didn't show her anything that would identify me as a U.S. citizen. I didn't present her anything as such. I gave her my birth certificate, and that was the only thing. And she said, well, if you have this, you have a social. I said, I personally was never given a social. And she well, write this down. I don't down. mean you, you have a social because you got a birth certificate. I don't know where to get on that. Well, it was her yelling and getting a little loud with me or what have you, and that's what brought the attention of, you know, the the agents towards me at that time as if I was a disruptor or something. This was 2017. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So, so gotcha. what ended up happening is I, she took that information and what have you, sent it over to Washington, D.C., uh, is where she said she was sending it to the State Department, but it was Virginia that replied to me. So from there... We went into that little banter back and forth between documentation, presentation, the attorney. And it was something, right? The uh, uh, and uh, the state department in Virginia, like you said, the attorney. And basically, yeah. what it comes down to in the principles of law is that you—it was a word that I learned from you years ago, and I couldn't find it until I actually went to the law library here in Houston, Thurgood Marshall, and the shepherdized. So jeopardizing the concept of being a U.S. citizen or a non-citizen national, because that's the only two ways you get the passport. The non-citizen national has particular case law that is backed by it, that if you place that in particular documentation, they know not to even go further with it, because they know that if you place these sightings in a court case admissible as evidence, it's a wrap. So that's but what the I whole point. This is what, this, this what I want to say. They already know all of that. This is what I try to get out to people. They gonna test you, man. They know what they know what they try to act like when you say you're not a U.S. citizen. Well, what country are you from? I'm like, okay, wait right. a minute, man. Okay, <laughs> you you know what I'm saying? That's that's the game they play. When you say, well, I'm not a U.S. citizen. Oh, you're not from America then? Oh, well, you need to come in here with some sort of uh, you know, some sort of naturalization certificate. And so, you know, they start doing all that shit. And it's like, you know, so the, yeah. that's the game that you're contending with because it's going to take you into the case law. Because right, I say, look, they got Susan B. Anthony versus the United States straight up and tell you that prior to the 14th Amendment, there was no such thing as a United States citizen. Was no mm-hmm. such thing. United mm-hmm. States citizen is a legislatively created citizenship. It's a legislative. It's not a du jour type of citizenship. It's not a birthright citizenship, you know, per se. 
you know, it's like, so where, you know, where did this, this citizenship come from? And, and what is, and what does, what entails from being a U.S. citizen? It's some, you can become some sort of property of the federal government. And they always ask you, you have to that be question. And, to, you, you have to be uh, subject to its jurisdiction. You, and it's and it's two ways that's right. in that 14th Amendment. Two ways. You see what I'm saying? You have to be born within the United States and subject to its jurisdiction. And in that two form right there, then one point is define what is the United States. And generally, that's the 10 square miles of Washington, D.C. So there was no possible way I was born within in the, geo, in the geographical sense. That's what their roots say. Exactly. I, but they're going to say you're some sort of franchise by giving you a social security number. The social security number well, is like a franchise. To, Once you obtain that. Affidavit of corporation deniability right there, which you mentioned earlier with that Rule 52. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I guess you got some information you want to show. So you got some information on that, uh, on that child custody stuff. Is that what you're trying to say? Did you had an answer for that? Oh, I've gotten I've gotten the I've gotten the uh politically correct uh um apology letters from the US government. Well not the US government, I'll say well I guess you could say that, but the Secretary of State from I'm not Secretary of State, the uh, governor at the time it was Rick Perry, that it's an in, uh, inappropriate time for this matter, and the matter that they okay, were talking so, about was So I'm I'm school. I'm very familiar with what you're talking about, man. I'm so let me help you frame what you're talking about because um, I'm very familiar with what you're saying. So what you're saying is a child support issue came up with you and you responded in a certain way and you received a response from the governor saying that it wasn't the proper time to address the child support matter. Correct? Right. Yes. Okay. Because, you know, I just, I just want to make it clear because I'm familiar but that, but that with what you're talking about. But that was after the affidavit. Because I, I didn't even get a chance to respond to the letter that they came talking about, let's come in and do this. And if you don't, we're going to move forward regardless. You see what I'm saying? And what ended up happening was I didn't even answer. I was preparing to make an answer to their, to respond to them. But I had already, like a few months prior, like six months ago, maybe it was a year, I had already uh, filed the uh, Rule 52, the affidavit denying corporate personhood uh, with the um, – governor's office and the secretary of state i had already done that registered mail well registered mail to the governor certified mail to the secretary of state and when they responded to me through their agency that's local i guess once ever they they send out certain documentation to people for their offers it goes into their system and i guess i don't know i didn't get a chance to respond my a letter came and said what you just described it's an inappropriate time for this matter never heard from them again and that was before the passport. And the original issue was that you were going to be brought in for child support or something of right. that nature. Right. Yeah, I still, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm familiar with you. That's, I find that very interesting. So they hit you up for child support. Well, that affidavit of denial of corporate, uh, that affidavit of non of denial of non corporate existence is in a is in a statute and um I gotta dig it up. But you can find a copy of one in abatement at common law by Don Quixote. If you get that document, abatement by document common, you go to that it. I use Yusuf. That's the Yeah, I use that, that I, use. I use that in my court case. <laughs> I use that on my court case. I modif I modified it though. I modified it and I turned it into an affidavit of truth 
but I used everything that was in there. I because I added some of my oh. own things and stuff in there too. But uh, yeah, that and, app, and, that's, and a mean, that, that, that's a mean. That's a mean. It's brother, a mean ass document in there. Beautiful. It's a mean. It's beautiful because it's a mean ass document in that. In that. If they just go, go into the SPC, and this is not a pitch. This is not a pitch for Welcome to the Foundation or SBC University because I've been down before the website of, of Foundation looked the way that it looks and before SBC University is what it is. You see what I'm saying? I've been down for at least about seven years listening right. to you, no, no doubt. You see, right. but the child support didn't, it, my, like you said, to a brother, you say people's way into this information is different. Child support wasn't it for me. Right. It was traffic. That's the thing. And what I found for myself that the nexus is the adhesion contracts that you apply for with the driver's license, the state ID, or the voter's registration card. That's the nexus because you got to use all three of them. you got to use your social to get it. Yep. And that's why, that's why like, I, when you go into a federal building, they ask you for ID because that ID is attached to a Social Security number, and that's prima facie evidence that you're a U.S. citizen. They don't let nobody but U.S. citizens come in federal buildings. And that's what they're going right. to check you at the gate. It's like it's like you going into another country, and you need a passport to get into that into that jurisdiction. That's federal property, and they're going to make sure that you're a U.S. citizen. They got authority over you before you come into that building. Hey man, it is Absolutely. what it is. You and got I've, you got. And, you. I've, and I've been in there with them. I've been in there with them, and have to show it in there. Like the thing I was trying to figure out, like the law of attraction, because this thing ain't just about this thing is metaphysical. You know, we talking about these principle or you know principles in high places, not flesh and blood, because you got flesh and blood thinking that these right. principles in high places are the actual law. So, I've had people like question me whether I, my my passport ID was real, you know, because they've never seen the passport ID and they work for the government. You see what I'm saying? Like they're agents. They, but they've never seen this before. I'll hand them a passport book that got a, 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 a gram of gold that's attached to it on the back of it that's claimed with the UCC3, but I don't show them all that. I just have the passport with the gold attached to it. You see, and that depends right. on where I'm going. If I'm going interstate, I, I bring the passport book, but if I'm moving within the city or what have you or in the state of Texas, then I just hold my passport card. So Let me tell you, bro. I'm gonna do something for you. I'm wait. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna do something for you. I'm gonna let you plug yourself because there's people listening, and I'm sure they're gonna want to get in contact with you. How do people get in contact with you? They need to contact you. Man, I'm 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 uh, on some other shit right now, but uh, flow dot page forward slash kvism, and that's uh, f l o w dot p a g e forward slash k v z i m. All right, you can contact me there. Make sure you get your plug in because it seems because it seems like you studied up and you got some and you well, got I'm some information. To get down. I'm to, look, man, I remember listening to one uh, to one radio show one day. Yusuf, you gave a brother brother say, man, I'm on this knowledge. Woo woo. I, I feel like I want to be having my own show. You gave him a platform. So L was like, hey, man, Chris L, man, you get at Yusuf. I said, man, how, how I get these boys' attention, man? How I get their attention? It's like, hey, man, go into the spirit, man. Get on your meditation. Go into the closet, man. Get get prayed up in that meditation and hear that thing say in your in your imagination, you are now entered into the host queue. 
unmuted. You see what I'm saying? This is what we talked about. You see? This is how we You know feel. what? So I'll tell you what. Right. I'll tell you what. Contact me, man. HFRN Global Media Group, uh, GMG. We're going to talk offline. Um, because uh, yeah, you know, I need to get back to I need to get back to doing you know what I used to do. I used to uh, you know give brothers brothers a call. You know, cause there's some brothers out there with some knowledge, man. You know, and I respect that. Yeah. You know, I'm not the only one that got knowledge. I respect it, and that's what I used to do. I used to have like a Tuesday show where I let you know guys they contact me. I I vet them, you know, I get on the phone, talk with them, see what they know and everything. I said, okay, this dude right here pretty sharp and everything, and then you know let them get on the show, let them you know like okay, blam. I got to get on there, you know, and, uh, you know, a couple of guys blew up, blew up like that, you know, on my show. So a lot of guys blew up on my show. I might get back. I might get back to that. I might get back to that. Yeah. A lot, a lot lot of guys blew up on my show and everything. A lot. And then, but we're going to get back to it. But you know, I ain't, okay. Yeah. Don't get me started. (laughs) Say what now? (laughs) We started. They turned around and hated on you, man. They started talking. No, I'm turning around to hate on like right, You know, yeah. hey, you know, listen, man. I don't even. Hey. I don't even swear to God. Everybody who's been following me for a long time, what the deal is. So, you know, I don't even really, you know, I don't really care. You know, and like, cause I feel like if you hating on me, why you hating on me? Cause I'm not hating on you. You'll never hear me talking about them. I don't talk about nobody. You don't see me a whole bunch of people around me and things like that. You know, I walk, I move by myself, and I, you know, and I stay in my lane. And, you know, if people want to talk about me, I feel like this. I'm like, hey, you just promoted me. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I'm not yeah, promoting real. your ass. I'm telling you right there, I ain't promoting you. I'm going to let you promote me. <laughs> you promote me because I'm not going to promote your, your ass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, man. Record, you say, uh, hey, you y'all. Said that's, um, you said that's H-F-R-N. H-F-R-N-G-M-G. <laughs> At gmail.com. HFRNGMG at gmail.com. Gotcha. All right, I'm going to move on, bro. I'm going to go to the next caller, man, okay? Yes, I sir. appreciate it. pleasure, man. All right, peace, God, peace. Let me go to the next caller. 567-7646, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Peace to the gods. Peace to the gods. Peace. <laughs> Another another good show, another good show, Yusuf. I see you uh you've been on the road lately these last two or three shows. You've been uh kicking out about a, hey, man, a, a I, lot of Yusuf. I had to I, I had to turn it up, man, because what's happened with the election. The world changing, man. The world is changing. It's like all the stuff we talking about now is more important than ever. You know, it's like, hey, I had to crank it back up. I had to crank it up, you know, to another level because it's like the world is changing, man. And I don't think it's going back to the way it was. Anyway, go ahead. What you got to got from me, brother? Hey, um, as far as the the authentication of the birth certificate, right, here in Ohio Territory, when you get your birth certificate from the um, – what do you call it? Vital statistics. Now here in Columbus, I remember I was traveling to the Philippines one time and I went down to get the um half of steel. And in Ohio territory, right. Columbus Ohio is where you get it from. They give you, you know, the document with the with the seal, the little gold seal and they staple it 
which I wish they wouldn't staple it to the birth certificate, but birth certificate or certificate of live birth, they staple it. Now, do you, in your experience, from there, sending it off to be authenticated, um, not for travel purposes, but just for um, setting up for what? For, uh, I mean, what are you getting authenticated for? For what? I mean, well, I didn't come up with that. You know, that that was based off of Rule Twenty, uh, Rule of the, this Minnesota Rule Twenty Two. That's where that authentication of the birth certificate came from. Let's talk about where this originated from. Now, I've done a right. video on YouTube called Finally the Truth About Minnesota Rule 220 because that is talking about real estate, certificates of title as it relates to real estate, and about a um, about an, a minor who finally comes his age whose property has been in trust, and they had to bring him in court and be able to identify him. And the trustee is going to identify him, and, he, you know, of course, his birth certificate is going to be used and that has to be authenticated because it's being presented as evidence in court. Now, that's the reason for it. You know, and I did some extensive research on that. The birth certificate doesn't fit the description of a certificate of title. It fits the description of a trust certificate or evidence of you being a beneficiary or uh, uh, having some sort of entitlement right to a distribution from a trust or something, maybe, but... I didn't get from it that it's a certificate of title. It doesn't fit the description of certificate of title. When we read the definition of certificate of title in the UCC, let's read it real quick. Let's read the definition of certificate of title in the UCC. UCC. So certificate of title. What is the definition? I think this might be it right here. Certificate. Where is that? Uh, certificate of title. So if you go to UCC 9-102, right, and you go down to number 10, certificate, uh, certificate of title means a certificate of title with respect to which a statute provides for the security interest in question to be indicated on the certificate as a condition or result of the security interest obtaining priority over the rights of a lien creditor with respect to the collateral. You know, when you look at a car title, certificate of title on there, you got who the lien holders are on, right, indicated right on the title. Is that not correct? Anybody ever had a certificate of title to a car and looked at it and know what I'm talking about? Yes. All right. Do you see that on the birth certificate? Not not in that language, no. Okay. It's not in that language. The term, now, I know people are trying to construe it like that, but when you read the definition, okay, and on top of the fact that when you read Minnesota Rule 220, this is called, first of all, it's called Minnesota Rules of Court 220, okay? And that's dealing with land records, right, what it's talking about. Okay, when you're dealing with a, a, a custodian, okay, it's dealing with a custodian of property. Right, and this is what, you know, I did a lot of uh, 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 investigation in this. And so people was coming at me, you know, trying to talk about I can't read and all this kind of stuff. And that's what made me go and do it. I'm like, look, man, I've been doing this a long time. I'm in the law library all the time reading statutes. This is the rules of court. They kept saying Minnesota Rule 220. Do you know what a rule of court is? 
We're dealing with procedural elements in, uh, for the introduction of evidence and that specific jurisdiction, which has no bearing in any other jurisdiction other than in Minnesota. So I didn't see, I didn't see, I, and then on top of all of that, I don't see the relevancy. There's nothing wrong with authenticating the birth certificate. Let me say that first of all. There's nothing bad that can come from authenticating your birth certificate. It's the reasons behind it that I bring into question. On top of the fact that we're not looking, it's saying so you can be the owner, the registered owner. Well, that's not what we're about. It's not about ownership. It's about control. You can't you own, it own anyway, nothing. You didn't make it. Okay? So, you know, you all you can do is have an interest in it. And then you have to put a claim on that interest. And that's what trust is involving. You know, like I said, that's why I say it's a trust certificate. Uh, you, got, you got some sort of interest in the property, some sort of entitlement right. Like it's in Article 8 of the UCC dealing with an entitlement holder, which ain't nothing but trust terminology. That's why I say you need to study trust again. Entitlement holder is just another name for beneficiary. So, you know, that, that's kind of like what I look at it. I could go deeper into it, you know, but I, I've exhausted that particular subject. If you go to my website right now on my website and you just go to, uh, if you go to SBC University and hit the download button and in the first column all the way down, excuse me, um, toward the bottom, you'll see what does Minnesota Rule 220 really mean. Right. I wrote a whole. I wrote a. Yeah, I I know you wrote a whole treatise on that. I did some research, and I completely agree with you. I was asking because I don't understand what all the hoopla is about with the authentication. Even though, to do it or not do it is fine. Uh, For traveling purposes, okay, maybe I can see that. But as far as establishing your bond with the Treasury Department, what is your opinion about that? As far as the authentication or not authenticating. Because I haven't seen, I'm not in any possession of any evidence that it does anything additionally in any kind of way. That's just my honest opinion. Now, I'm not saying I'm correct, but I haven't seen any evidence to uh, to demonstrate that. Because you're just obtaining the birth certificate and you're getting the birth certificate number and making a copy of it to give the Treasury Department notice that you are holding, that that document is in your possession. That it is in your possession and that you're forming a claim on it. You know, that's the whole purpose of doing it. You know, we're talking about negotiable instruments, holder in due course status, claims to an instrument. That's what that whole commercial chamber is about, establishing a priority interest in property and putting notices out that you got a claim in property. So that's what it's all about. But I, I, you know, like I said, all of those procedures and everything, that came from Minnesota Rule 220. Well, they call Minnesota Rule 220. Minnesota Rules of Court 220. And you have to find out, yeah. well, first of all, start with what is the definition of a rule of court? You start there. And that should end the conversation. But, of course, it's not because people are going to keep, keep bringing up this argument. Let me tell you something. That authenticating the birth certificate had to be the biggest thing I have ever seen in doing all this. It's spread like wildfire that I think is misconstrued out of anything that's associated with it. I 100% with agree. I've been researching that thing it's on my own. For, for about 45 days straight now, and I'm just completely exhausted as to why people have said that that thing is so, that that's so important when it comes to establishing your um, SPC um, account, your, your private account. It's, it, to me, it's, it was uh, I, 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 
And, you know, that's why I do. I'm looking at the paper now. You know, I went and read, you know, I went and read. I said, well, let me read it. Because, you know, they got the birth certificate, Rule 220, but they don't talk about the death certificate, Rule 221, right after it. The death certificate is in there, too. We're talking about evidence, man. You have to know how to read a statute. A lot of these guys don't know how to read statutes. You've got guys out there, man, who are giving out information. They're not really very adept at reading statutes. You know, they don't go to the law library. They don't know how to read case law. They don't know how to shepherdize case. They don't know how to do any of that stuff. They're just reading a statute on his face, and then they try to construe when the job of interpreting a statute is for the judicial branch of government, not for you. So that means that you got to read the case law that's associated with it. And that right there is going to eliminate fucking probably 80% of the gurus because 80% of them ain't going to read no case law. And some of them, a lot of them say, will say they don't think they have to. They're going to say they don't think they have to. That's what they're going to say. I don't, I don't have to read that shit. That's what it is. I'm trying to tell you. Right there. Yeah, I, and those, that's what and I tell you. You should actively avoid, hands down. Yeah. Case law is where all the current application of all the laws and interpretations of the current um, adjudicators, that's where it is, is in case law. Case law. If you don't read case law, then you, you're not going to be up on what's really going on and how people are winning and losing cases. Yeah, ain't gonna be, you're not going to be up, man. You got to read case law, man, especially if you're dealing with trust. Especially if you're dealing with trust. You want to be good at trust, any private trust, you got to read case law. You got to read case law. There's so, so much stuff out there. If you want to be proficient, you want to be an expert, you got to read case law. You got to read your about uh Common law copywriting your um, your appellation. Right. What is your opinion about that? The, e- the easiest way to go I about think getting that done. I think I think it's good. I'm t- I'm doing a class on it right now and cracking the code. It's cracking the code. Got it right. That's what the entire cracking the code volume three is about. Common law copywriting your name. That is what it's about. It's about copywriting your name and then learning how to use administrative process um, to collect from violations from the utilization of that particular property. That's what all, that's what cracking code three was about. And I've had experience with it out of, in the field with sheriff deputies and things like that. And they told me privately that, you know, and they, they, they were scared of that. So see, so what I, what I discovered is when you're dealing with public people, they going to play down everything. They don't never want you to know that you got a weapon in your hand. You understand what I'm saying? Anyway, that would make sense. Why would they let you know that, hey, this is the way you get at us? They ain't going to never tell you that. But when you find out about it, it's usually going to be uh, in some discreet, um, private kind of way, a one-on-one conversation between you and somebody else. I ain't never been, no information has ever been revealed to me in the public where there was more than an, uh, two people in the room. Never. If I'm talking to a sheriff deputy or a sheriff or somebody, or somebody high up, it's just me and him in that office. He's telling me something. Ain't nobody else around to see it. If it's an attorney, ain't nobody else around to see it. And this has happened to me. I say I can count on both hands the number of times this happened. And one of them was, was dealing with that copyright of the name, that private common law copyright. They were scared of that shit. And, hey, you, he, came, he came and told me, he said, what happened was I was in Gwinnett County, Helping somebody with a with a, a uh, with a um, with a foreclosure. Prior to this, I didn't know if the copyright. You know, I just seen that shit like everybody else seen. I I so I didn't have no 
no way of knowing if it was effective or if it was real or anything like that. So I just basically seen it like y'all saw it. And um, I went into the courtroom, and I was helping a Spanish lady with her case and because uh, she was getting foreclosed on. And so, you know, she had to go into a dispossessory hearing. She was scared to go by herself. She asked me to go, so I went. Um, when we got into court, we played that she wanted me to talk for her. I don't have no interest. I'm in there. But I'm going to talk to her. So she said, well, hey, I don't speak English that well. So I came in and I asked the judge. I said, judge, she don't speak English very well. Is it, is it, is it, is it okay that I speak for her? He was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, uh, you can speak for her. You know, he just was very dismissive. He was pissed off because I put in an answer, and he wanted to know who did our paperwork. That's all he wanted to know. He said, who, who did this paperwork for you? I know you didn't do this paperwork. Who did it for you? And she said, me, you know, she started doing, I don't speak English. So he started grilling me. Who did this paperwork for? I said, sir, that's not even germane to the case. We're not here to talk about that. He said, okay, y'all have a seat over there, and I'll get to y'all last. So when he said that to me, she went to sit down over there. I turned around and started walking out the courtroom, walking to the back. And because I'm like, I ain't a part, I'm not a party to this case. And he, he saw, and you know, he said, hey, 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 did I just tell you to sit down? And I turned around. I said, say, man, who you talking to? I said, who you talking to? He said, well, you're about to get uh, contempt. I said, well, is that civil or criminal? I said, you don't be hollering at me telling me to sit down. Who you talking to? I'm not a party to this matter. So some sheriff deputies came and surrounded me, but they didn't touch me. But they kind of like, sir, could you just step to the back? So I stepped to the back. When I got to the back, they said, well, you start removing your belt. You know, like they're going to arrest me and fingerprint me and process me and shit. I said, I'm not taking off nothing. They said, well, sir, you don't have no choice. I said, yes, I do. I said, go get your supervisor. So they said, okay, I sat down over there. They set me in a room in a, in a cell by myself. And then uh, this white man came. He was a sergeant. I don't know if he was a sergeant, but, you know, he had some rank. And, uh, man, he came to me. He said the first thing he said, he said, uh, he said, sir, first thing I want to say to you is um, you're a public servant. We're here to serve you. He said, and the first question I want to ask you is do you have your name copyrighted? Because they had already assumed that I was um, involved in this. And then somebody then hit their ass with the copyright. Because them penalties on that copyright is $500,000 a lick. So that's another thing y'all don't know. People be getting paid. Y'all just see me in the public. The people who re- like be really making money from this and doing things, they don't come out and make videos and shit. I'm just giving y'all information. The real killers out there that's killing people with this shit, they ain't telling nobody. They ain't saying nothing. Right? They, ain't, they ain't saying nothing. And that was my indication right there. Cause he was terrified because I said, I said, you're very astute. I said, yes, I am. He said, Okay, um, well, is it okay if I get a, some information from you? I said, no, I gave you my name, and that was too much. He said, well, you know, well, sir, um, we do have you back here um, detained, and we do have some cons- uh, uh, some insurance concerns uh, to to, uh, de- to address. And I was like, well, you wouldn't have to address no insurance concerns. You can have me back here legally and unlawfully. He said, okay, okay, just sit here. I'll be back. He waited. I sat back there until they had taken care of everybody in the courtroom. Then he came back and he said, um, okay, the judge wants to see you now. And um, I just want to give you just one piece of advice before you go in the courtroom. 
I said, what's that? He said, be nice. I said, all right. Uh, you know, because it was my attitude, the way I addressed him, and all he wanted me to do was apologize. If y'all heard the story, I apologized, and I left. But that was the only uh, incident right there. Uh, they they had me a- arrested in the back, and the thing they were scared about is I had my name copyrighted. And that's, that is why I say, yeah, do the copyright. That incident that happened to me right there. He, they were scared to death of that copyright. And but prior to that, I had no way of knowing if this was um, serious or anything like that. But it is. And over time, what you're going to learn is anything you do, they're going to try to say is nothing. You won't know it's something. The only way you're going to know is something is somebody's going to let you know, but they're going to let you know privately. And that's that. That is what is. Um, I've always told people this story. It's like meeting the devil. Okay, everybody listening to me right now has heard about the devil. They've heard about the devil. Okay, you've heard about these stories about the devil. You heard it all your life. You wonder what he looked like. Do he got, is he half man, half goat? Do he got a pitchfork? You know, all these kind of things. What do he look, do he look like, you know, or, or, or like a regular man coming at form? What, what is the devil? So let's say one day you actually meet the devil. He come in and, and meet and you meet you and he say, you know what? I've been watching. You know, you remember when you was a little boy and you stole that candy out of the store? They used to steal them Snickers and everything. Remember that at that Seven Eleven? He started telling you shit about yourself. You know all about your life, everything. You break up with your girlfriend and all this. He start running it down to you. He say, yeah, I'm Lucifer. You was on that bad path, but you got out. But you know I'm waiting for you. Okay, so let's just say we established that now. After I have this meeting with the devil, I have just confirmed that the devil is real. With nobody else in the fucking room. Now, I come out and do a live stream. I said, man, I'm going to get on YouTube and tell everybody. It's going to be people going to say, this nigga, you so crazy, man. This nigga is on YouTube now talking about he met the devil, nigga. Go look at that shit. <laughs> Go look at that shit. He's on YouTube talking about he met the devil. But you know what's going to happen? There are people who are listening who met the devil, too. And they are the ones like, hey, man, I saw you on YouTube. I met him, too. He came and saw me last week. You know <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's all, those are the only right. people that's going to know. You see what I'm saying? They're the only people going to know. So everybody else going to think you're crazy. And you might even think you're crazy because it's going to fuck you up the first. The first time this was revealed to me, I was like, I can't believe they actually doing this. I can't believe this shit is real. That was my first reaction. I was like, man, this shit is real. God damn, I thought it was just like some, you know, I'm reading some conspiracy theory shit or something, you know, like that, but it's real. And you have to have perception to be able to see it. You can't be, it's like, it's like, um, it's like, it's almost like um, when, when God, you pray to God, you got to have the, um, you got to see when your prayers are answered because sometimes an answer comes like within an hour. Sometimes an answer comes in a month, but sometimes it'll come real quick and you have to have that spirit of discernment. That's the way I was looking at. So that's why a lot of people can't really jive with this type of information because it requires discernment because it's dealing with secrecy and privacy and things like that and obfuscation and doubt you know, everything is surrounding that. So if you're a person that is easily persuaded 
or dissuaded from something, if also if, if you're the kind of person all somebody got to do is tell you no one time and you give up, this is not for you. It's not for you because you're going against that. The, the biggest mistake that people make in getting into this information is thinking they're going to get into it and immediately see some sort of result from it. Like, shit, hey, hey, my mortgage is, uh, uh, is, um, uh, is due. Hell, I'm going to just learn secure part and learn how to discharge a mortgage. And they just think uh, they found the answer. But that's what happened to me. But I wasn't ready for the pushback. You know, the, the things that, that, you know, the, the, the other rule to the game, the recontracting. Oh man, what is this right here? Yeah, the promissory note. Uh, we don't really track those. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they, if they, and, that, yeah. and you know that that's out when you. Re- go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say recontracting is such a powerful tool to those who are not studying who haven't learned how to um, enforce their constitutionally protected rights because they'll deny you and get you to to respond in the wrong way and you, you, you won't even know it if you haven't studied that you've actually recontracted. So everything you've done prior to that, even in the case of an affidavit, you can literally submit an affidavit and you can recontract and throw everything that you've done out the window as far as the substance over the form because you didn't know how to conduct yourself. I was just what I was just going to say because substance control actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than yeah. words. We know what you and said that, on that Facebook, also, your action. Right, exactly. And the people that were calling in prior about the the uh, the child support and the custody issues and whatnot, anybody that's going to any venue, any court venue, whenever you get a presentment, you have to know how to respond to the presentment to begin with. Because a lot of times you can give up subject matter jurisdiction just by your response. And when you walk into these courtrooms, you don't realize that you've already given up subject matter jurisdiction. And so if you don't address the assumption of presumption, because color of law is is is, where, is what's going on in the venue, and if you don't address the assumption of presumption, then you're already fighting a losing battle because you walked into the courtroom answering questions or representing yourself completely out of appropriate persona already. So this is why the adjudication is not going your way because you have not properly uh, – presented yourself to begin with. A lot of these cases, I, I realize, Yusuf, a lot of these adjudicators are posturing and dragging people along just so they can make it look good yep. um, in the media or on the record or to convince those who are not learned, who don't study, of their illusion of being all-powerful and all-sovereign because these people have failed to do what they need to do procedurally on the on the, on the, on the, on the, on the whole case. They lost the case on, like in chess. They lost the case in the opening, so the middle game and the end game is just, you know, you just dead in the water. They just dragging it along so they can impose upon the minds of the, of the other people. Hey, don't try us because we're gonna get you. And that's what this is. And that's what it's all about. And that's why I did an SPC University because in my in my time in dealing with this, the only way you can combat that is through education. So I had to eliminate because then you got all your detractors out there. Your, your haters and shit. You got to combat all that shit. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to give y'all nothing to talk to me about. I'm not offering you no remedy. I'm not offering you no guarantees. The only thing I'm offering you is education. Okay. All I'm offering you is the ability to be able to see what I see. And once you can see what I see, you can make your own decisions about the information. All right. 
You say, oh, well, you know, that's, that's secure party shit. It's some bullshit. You know, I just come under the guise of secure party, but I do so much more than secure party. That's just like my thing, you know, that I use. You know, it's not the only thing I teach is secure party. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, that's what, you know, I came in the game with. That's what I stick with is that right there. But it's more than one way to skin a cat. But really the object of me, of who I am, is to educate enough people because of what you just stated right there. They dragging you along. They trying to make you look foolish. I done been arrested. I done been slandered in the media. I done, I done went through all of that. But I also know what I've been told in private. And I can't prove it. Hell, I got into this. YouTube, it wasn't even, YouTube didn't even exist when I got into this. Wasn't even no fucking YouTube around. YouTube done grown big, and they got cameras now, people taking videos and court and all that. Wasn't doing none of that shit when I got involved in it. None of that. It's like, you know, it's like, and over the time, you know, I remember the first time that this was made known to me is when I got arrested. My first time when I was learning, an attorney told me when he came to see me, he said, oh, I see what you're doing. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, 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 you're right. He said, I, we know you, I know you're just trying to defend yourself. you right. He said, look, he just told me straight up. He said, we can deal with the ones like you. He says, the angry ones we can't deal with. And my mouth hit the floor. I said, this motherfucker just told me that this shit is real. But he also gave me a, ca- a word of caution, don't get mad. And then I found in the law library that anger is a sign of insanity, which I keep trying to give to my homeboy in that child support case. This nigga be pissed off. I'm like, man, he be in the courtroom. I say, man, you finna get contempt. Where you be talking to this judge? <laughs> he be going back and forth with the judge. He be, he be, he just be riding right there on the edge of contempt of court every time he in the courtroom. But I understand why he pissed off. But that's what I had to learn how to do. Cause you, cause at first when you learn the truth, you gonna be get mad. Like these motherfuckers been fucking me all this time. All this time I had some sort of way to defend myself. These attorneys ain't been doing shit. I'm giving all this money to these attorneys and they ain't doing shit for me. Nothing. So you mad at first, but you got to learn how to control that. You got to bring that under control. You got to bring it. And the courtroom is no place for demonstration of anger. You know, you got to be, you got to be a gentleman. You got to be totally in control. You have to allow your intellect to dictate what's going on. It's a, it's, it is a, it is a, it is a battleground of intellect, intellect. It's intellect. Got you now. And I ain't finna let no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no go ahead, Yusuf. No, I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say I ain't finna let people less intelligent than me make me look like a fool. Cause most of them I don't feel as 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 if as intelligent as me or more intelligent. I don't see. I don't see that at all. They just administrated. They're doing what they told to do. They don't study. They run that. They run the judicial system like it's McDonald's. It's a damn fast food drive-through. And you'll see that if you ever educate yourself. I, I agree. Um, That's what I now, see. Now, two things in closing. And with the, with the, with the copyright name, um, what do you, um, in your experience, is putting your notice in the paper a, uh, a good way to go about doing it, or is there another method? Yeah, that's one way of doing of it. Doing yeah, that's one. Comment. Well, it got to be some sort of public, it got to be some sort of public notice. It don't necessarily have to be in the newspaper, but it has to be. You have to give. You have to give evidence of some sort of public notice. You know, there are other ch- chambers of doing that. I suppose on the internet, but what is some sort of public notice that's going to have the widest amount of viewership? 
you know, I think the newspaper, you know, to tell you the truth, is getting an outdated mode of doing it. You know, how many people are really reading the newspaper nowadays in this age that we're living in right now? You know, so, you know, in the commercial chamber, definitely, you know what I'm saying? Probably, as you know, as you see people file it with their UCC1, it's property. You know, the commercial chamber definitely is a good place, you know. But, you know, it's just like, you know, the newspaper is a public announcement. It's still, the newspaper is still good. You know, they still do that with foreclosures and things of that nature. So, you know, it's a That's way exactly to allow somebody I, if they I claim. You that. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that, that you know, I you know, yeah, you know, the world is changing. I will acknowledge that. But it it's still for as it stands right now, it's still a good way to do it. You know, and that's why I'm taking everybody through cracking the code first. I, I know some people might well, why are you taking us through cracking the code? Because I want you to understand how to copyright your name and I want you to understand how to do an administrative process. I want you to understand about discharging an automobile. Okay, the caveats as it relates to that right there. I want you to understand how to put it in affidavit of truth. There's a lot of fundamental things that you're going to learn. There's a lot of things from that document I still use. I really feel like it was the best book put out. It was just, I, I, you know, sometimes like it's almost like a, 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 um, a, a rapper or an a artist. You know, somebody will come out with, they first hit me, the biggest hit they did. And they might come out with some hits after that. But that first song was big because they put everything in it. They was hungry. They was hungry. And that's what I feel about Cracking the Code, Volume 3. I like when them dudes put that together, they was hungry. They was, they, 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 they spirit was at a high level. The ones that came after that was probably like, shit, we made a lot of money with this. Let's make another volume. And, you know, and throw some stuff together and put it in there. And not to say that it's bad or anything. It's good, too. But. You know, I just like when I read Cracking the Code Three, I just they was hungry. That's what I saw. You know, that's when I'm reading. And I'm like, yeah, these motherfuckers was hungry when they did this. And then, and then I think there was some sort of way they want to get people away from that because of that uh, copywriting the name. I like they say, hey, we need to get their ass away from this information right here. They don't need this. But at, you also learn how to do an administrative process, a very good administrative process. People, that's what I'm trying to say. And learn how to do an administrative process is key to a lot of things. It really is. But, hey, brother, okay, I'm going to have to get up. I'm going to have to get off. Okay. All right. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Oh, Ask well, the I'll last question. I'm going to I'm gonna... Okay. Injunction against the, uh, against the uh, police department or the local authorities. Filing an injunction. Well, I mean, they use this. They use this word injunction. Injunction is a is an order that's signed by a judge. Now, I think they use an injunction in the sense that they private and they come in from a common law jurisdiction and they act in some in some shape, form, and fashion, uh, fashion in the capacity of a judge. I've seen I've seen that talked about, but it's no more than um you know there's no enforce. Where's the enforcement behind it? It's, it to me it's no different than. All a lot of the other information has been put out, notices has been given to public officials. You know, somebody's always coming, like somebody came to me and said, Anna Von Ritz um, has streamlined the process. And I respect Anna Von Ritz. Let me say that first of all. She's a very knowledgeable lady. But I go and read the documents, and it, to me it's just another version of something that was already put out. There's been some very, very intelligent people that have put out information over the years. Not what y'all think is just intelligent people just came out now. There's been some geniuses involved in this. Who've written some papers, some papers, some cold-blooded-ass paperwork. 
that, as you say, streamline the process. So it's basically the same principle. You know, you you coming from the common law. You're not a 14th Amendment U.S. citizen. I'm giving you notice of that fact. You know, there's certain principles that are involved in all of this paperwork, all the paperwork that you see. It all contains a lot of the same principles. You might throw a different name on it, you know, but people make different processes, you know, and let, let me just say this. It's good because it demonstrates something like an Anavon Ritz or somebody like that is good because they demonstrate that they can draw up their own paperwork. At which you should be able to, I can draw up my own paperwork, which you should be able to do. You should be able to draw up your own paperwork. You should be, you've heard me say it, you should be able to, if you get arrested and you sit in a cell by yourself and all they do is throw you a pencil and a piece of paper, what can you do with the knowledge that you got in your head? Good point. Good point. Peace to the guys. I appreciate your time. Yusuf, I'm going to let you jump on to the next caller. All right. Well, I'm ending the show now. I'm going to come back on tomorrow, y'all. We're going to be doing this every day at the same time. I'm going to be coming on probably around this time, around noonish, 1 o'clock. All right. Peace, brother. Peace. I want to thank my brother, Sot L, for riding with me today. I want to appreciate you, thank brother. You. He is we the only you. two people left on high-frequency radio. I might bring in some no, no, more new hosts, though. It's about time. For, you think we need to get some more hosts, man? You think it's about that I time? So. I know how you've been over there by yourself a, a long time, boy. You've been holding it. Hey. Man, I got to publicly thank you. You've been holding it down on high frequency radio. <laughs> hey, you know, you be thanking me. I had to thank you, know. brother. You know, you've been holding it down. Man, yeah, thank you. I appreciate you, you know, providing the platform and, you know, officially. You know, I'm not going anywhere. If, if, if I'm, I'm going to be doing the foundation and teaching, the people is going to be from high frequency radio network, you know, publicly. And I'm a man of my word, but yeah, no, I appreciate you, man. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's time, you know, I think, um, I think that brother Chris that we was talking to, he was talking about the passport and stuff. Uh-huh. I think he might, I think he might be a good prospect possibly. I like what he was talking. I know. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to see, 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 see what he, I'm going to vet him and see what's up. We're going to see what's up. We're going to see what's up too, man. We need some sisters. We need some sisters. I'm looking for sisters. All right, we need some of that feminine energy. I know some of y'all think mm-hmm. I don't like females. I love females. Love black women. <laughs> you don't have to be black, though, any female. We're just looking for some females with some information. All right, we done did some work. I don't care. It could be credit. It don't have to be what we're talking about. What is your field of expertise? You want a show? All right, you want an audience? You know, you want to present yourself? Okay, well, let me let me bet you, see where you at, and then you know, I give you a show. You know, tell me, email, tell show, me you know, email. people are looking. Yeah, people are looking What's for information. Email? You got to be able to field questions too. You see how we do it over here? We do call in. All right, you you got to go through the obstacle course. You got to be able to handle people calling in and asking you questions. I gotta be able to do that. So yeah, we looking, we looking, we looking for some female hosts, and you know, we looking, we looking for some people. All right, bring your brain, put you back on high frequency radio. I even show y'all how to do this right here if you want to do this. I'll show y'all how to if you want to stream live like this, take phone calls, and uh, you know, and things like this. I can even show you how to do this too right here. You know, it's very interesting. But 
Hey, brother. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate, I appreciate you. you, man. Man, it's all love. All right. I appreciate you. Right. Click. I appreciate the radio, y'all. Right. Sync up. I'm telling you, sync up. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. I'm going to hit you up. All right. Peace, God. Peace. All right, y'all. I want to thank y'all for tuning in today. You've been listening to the hottest radio network on the planet. I need y'all to like, comment, and subscribe. Hit the bell right down there. Hit that bell now. If you're new to the show, all right, it's a hot show. You don't want to miss what we be having. You don't know what's going to happen next. You need to hit that like button and subscribe. You need to hit the like button so the analytics will spin and you get the notifications. You got to let, the, you gotta let the, the artificial intelligence know that you like stuff like this. You know, it ain't just you just liking it just for me. I don't do I don't do shows for likes. Okay. I don't do it for that reason. But you know, you need to like, comment, and subscribe. You know, so the analytics so you let the computer know, hey, these are the type of shows I wanna see. You're doing it for you. You're not doing it for me. All right? All right. So once again, you're listening to the hottest radio network on the planet. Go check out SPC University. Most of the documents and conversations that we're talking about is free over there on high, on uh, SBC University. Just go over there and hit the download button, and you'll see all these documents pop up for free. You know what I'm saying? Don't say, you know, it's, the information is out there, you know. Then if you want to get some deeper understanding, if you want to sit in on private classes, when we're going through documents and I'm explaining this to you, I'm typing on the computer and showing you how to do all of this stuff, you might want to get a membership and come on through and check out and see what we're doing over there on High Frequency Radio. I want to thank all y'all. I really do appreciate all my listeners. I really do. Sometimes I'm amazed that so many people uh, listen to me and respect what I have to say, you know, and come in and listen to me, all my cussing and talking crazy and ignorant. Y'all know that's just an act. <laughs> but I am from the hood. <laughs> but I want to thank all of you. And peace to the gods and goddesses. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. Peace, y'all. Peace.